You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's going on, Internet? Analytic here, aka Dreams, and I'd like to welcome you to mine, which I call the Notorious Mass Effect Podcast. Now, of course, before we get into the episode title and the number, which is 134, but have to start with the update. As right now, currently, I am using my new setup. So, of course, with it being a new setup, as always, let me know. Click my link tree in my bio. Let me know one of my social medias if the audio is off, if certain things are not sounding like it sh- like it usually is because it's a new setup. So I'm open to any type of feedback when it comes to me using uh, this setup because at the end of the day, hey, when you make a new PC setup, when you make new equipment, well, build new equipment for recording something is bound to not work correctly so if it's not definitely click my link tree in my bio and let me know on one of my social medias 
uh, what you think I should change and what is not working or sounding like it used to. So with that being said, of course, this is episode 134. We're going to be getting into a lot of video game and hip hop topics in general, but more specifically, the title is the title most popular game of all time. So you already know we're going to be diving deep into the one and only pal world. And yes, Ladies and gentlemen, I never thought we would be talking about a game that's actively trying to bring slavery back. But hey, here we are. And before I get further into those uh, thoughts and that particular statement, I want to talk about how the podcast in general has been performing well. Of course, you know, 80,000 weekly downloads. I feel like y'all really enjoy me covering not only gaming, but of course, hip hop topics. And at the end of the day, I always like to give y'all. Uh, I don't even know if synopsis is the right word, but basically an overview of how the podcast is performing in general, and how I kind of want to attack it this year. So I'm going to be focusing more on just what works for the podcast. But also uh, as far as streaming, which I'm streaming right now over at uh, Wisdom, I think that's going to be an interesting tool that I'm going to be um, continuing to use going forward as you know they're, they're really nice over at wisdom they help me a lot when it comes to certain things as far as being verified and things of that nature you know not every social media platform makes you verify so the ones that do you try to appreciate them by putting you know content on their platform so i am going to be going live on wisdom but the thing with wisdom is you won't hear any of the actual audio elements when it comes from the system whether it's beat playing in the background as you can hear right now and you won't be able to hear some of the yeah basically all the audio elements from my system so wisdom is probably the best for tuning in live if you want to potentially be a part of whatever discussion or whatever topic i'm currently covering so that's the only reason i bring that up as obviously podcast numbers by far and away is the best performing youtube youtube is getting up there uh tiktok and twitter well x i guess um they are respectable numbers but you know compared to my podcast it's just not even close so at some point i'm gonna have to um find somebody who's better at social media than me which you know is probably 90 percent of the population because for some reason podcast numbers go uh or podcast numbers are on a upward trajectory but as far as social media i would say what we're at a even number consistently which is not bad you know i think we do around a thousand to three thousand per video but you know for the future i would like to grow those numbers and see some type of growth in those numbers so it's just me being transparent just trying to come to you with a little bit of an update on the analytical side because you know i do call myself analytic dreams and one of the things about being analytic dreams is i'm trying to figure out the rest of my setup so i'm like 70 to 80 percent finished with my entire setup so that's why i say if anything's off just know i'm still working on it but as far as right now i listen to it back as far as you know um test testing the mic and everything um and it seems to be going well so 
Uh, with that being said, before we get into episode 130, make sure to click my link share in my bio to access my social medias and to keep up my latest activities. If you want to support the show financially, click my Cash App link located towards the top, towards the bottom of my link tree, as this help as that helps the show overall. Make sure to share this podcast rating the show five stars as this helps the show reach more people so we can grow together and affect the masses. Now, with that being said, let's get into the first topic of episode 134. Sir, thank you, Liberty City. What a pleasure to be here at this motherfucking club. You are kicking the shit out of the club on the other side of town. Club bullshit. You know, I think I'm just going to start every segment for this episode with a Cat Williams skit from GTA 4. Now, I don't know how in the world I found this, but somehow this crossed my timeline because, of course, we're getting into SoundCloud. People who came for SoundCloud are probably wondering, what in the world does this have to do with how SoundCloud is preparing to sell their company? Well, ladies and gentlemen, it has nothing to do with that, but everything to do with your personal enjoyment. So let me just play for you a little clip from Cat Williams on GTA 4. It's like living in a studio apartment again. You ever been in a studio apartment? It's ridiculous. Because it's got everything but nothing. Like, you see the living room. It's right there. There's the kitchen corner right there set up. It's just so small. You can do everything from the center. I mean, this is legendary. I didn't even know Cat Williams was on GTA 4. You learn something every day. All right, then. Let me open up the refrigerator. Who left my shower curtain open like that? That is ridiculous. Somebody's at the door. Hello? Hey, come on in. Let's sit on the couch. Well, it's a love seat, but you can sit. That's how that other club was, just that small. So anyways, with that being out the way, because of course I'm going to keep bringing those um, little comedic bits throughout the entire episode. But more importantly, we have to get into why in the world do we care about SoundCloud preparing to sell the company? Now, the reason why this is a big deal is because COO and CFO Drew Wilson is set to leave the company after almost three years in a row, right? A three three whole years. I mean, not even a presidential term, but that's besides the point, right? The biggest goal for SoundCloud is to reach a valuation of 2.5 billion with the B. But the more commonly cited goal was around 1 billion. So with that being said, of course, there's a little uh, discrepancy in the actual numbers, but the biggest thing is SoundCloud trying to reach profitability by December. So with that being said, the company ultimately is trying to sell for 1 billion and the rain group and T mask holdings reportedly exploring investment banks. And with SoundCloud being founded in 2007, definitely playing a significant role uh, for creatives in general and uh, hip hop. I mean, there was literally a whole wave of just SoundCloud rappers where we're still just recovering from that wave to this day. I mean, if Little Yachty wasn't so pivotal in the the careers of of different movements in hip hop, I would sound I would say the whole SoundCloud rappers movement was atrocious, but at this point in time, it's hard to say that because we still have the likes of Little Yachty and Uzi 
and a lot of other artists still impacting the charts to this day. So why am I even bringing that up? It's because covering SoundCloud, you have to understand the importance it had on hip hop. And to this point, I feel like TikTok is becoming the new SoundCloud to where it's going to be a wave of TikTok rappers. Just like there were SoundCloud rappers, they're going to become a wave of TikTok TikTok rappers to the point where now artists that used to pioneer the way for the upcoming musicians is no longer well they no longer have their stronghold on the uh, influential part of making a musician so where does that leave them obviously that's a more elementary take on why i believe they're probably actively preparing to sell the company but when you look at tiktok when you look at what soundcloud was really known for it was discovering and blowing up musicians at this point it kind of seems like TikTok has definitely over overtook over uh, overtook. Is that the right? Anyways, overridden the influential part, and they've uh, claimed it for themselves. So the biggest thing that you need to know coming away from this is that SoundCloud is still one of the more user friendly platforms for creators. I will still say that, but as far as a profitability standpoint. And as far as looking to reach their goals and just have certain valuations um, of $2.5 and not meeting them, I think that's the reason we're seeing this today. And for them being so influential, I mean, to the point where SoundCloud like contributes to more than $26 million, um, as far as just services, like as far as creator tools and services. They have to front a lot of money. So that means they have to bring in a lot of money. And at this point, I don't know if they're at the same level as they used to be financially and influential wise, because of course we have TikTok. So at the end of the day, I think TikTok's the reason why SoundCloud is not going, they're not going under, but they're going to sell to somebody else and somebody else will have to realize how to make a profitable company and SoundCloud as with it being founded in 2007, obviously something was working because we're in 2024 and it's still going strong. So um, at the end of the day, I could only attribute their willingness to sell to TikTok because I'm not going to keep you know reiterating my statements. But basically, that's just how I feel when it comes to why I feel like they're trying to sell. And um, for creatives, I think that SoundCloud is not going to be one of those platforms to push the needle going forward. I think it's going to be TikTok. It's probably going to be Twitter and then Instagram. And then that's it. Like SoundCloud. Um, what was it? Deezer. Um, what was the other ones? Spinrilla. All of those platforms are becoming the new blockbuster. Like they're still around. But as far as the influential impact that they once had in the culture, I just think is no longer there. So with that being said, a little quick uh, business update for y'all as far as one of the more prominent platforms in, in hip hop and just music creation in general. So click my link tree in my bio and let me know on one of my social medias. What do y'all think about SoundCloud I'm actively preparing to sell the company? And also, what do you think? is the more the most influential platform for upcoming musicians 
You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Shia Ben Abraham Joseph has earned a number one album on the Billboard 200. Now, the biggest thing with that is, and by the way, Abraham, aka, is 21 Savage. So, American Dream by 21 Savage is interesting to the fact that it sold 133,000 first week sales, marking his highest first week sales as a solo artist but when you think about that you try to bring in other albums because you need to see progression for first week sales even though some people say you don't but you know first week sales is an indication on the amount of uh anticipation and support that you can get in a in a um short amount of time from releasing an album and it's really a good litmus scale when it comes to your peers that's besides the point so i am i was which was the last album from 21 savage i forget how much it sold first week but i do know that her loss with drake was his most successful first week sales project which he was a a co-artist with um i think that did around like 300,000 first week Basically, I Am, I Was was the first time that 21 Savage really put together like a great body of work. And now with this album, American Dream, I would say personally that he's made a similar in quality album as his 15 tracks, not too long, not too short, has a lot of prominent features like Doja Cat, Travis Scott, and uses certain features in ways to where when he's making experimental quote-unquote music where he's like getting into his r&b bag he has actual artists to help him out in that element whether it's a summer walker brent Fiaz, mariah the scientist so you kind of get where i'm going with, with 21 savage usually my critique for him 
is that he sounds the same on every single song and every single beat. But when you start to incorporate other musicians who have drastically different sonics than you, and then you combine that with the fact that this whole rollout was using photos of each artist, like baby pictures of each artist to promote them on the upcoming album. And then you combine that with the fact that there's a film uh, produced by Donald Glover, starring other actors like Caleb McLaughlin. I don't know how to say that. Drewski, uh, Drewski and how it's basically chronicling. Is that word chronicling? Anyways, it's the chronicles of 21 Savage's journey from London to U.S. You realize that it's not only the fact that he sounds the same on each and every beat, but it's what he's saying and it's how he's packaging it to make you give him a little bit more leeway than you than you rather would another artist because you see he's putting forth the effort. Some musicians that sound the same on every single track, day in, day out, they don't put forth the effort when it comes to promoting, when it comes to getting certain um, marketing budgets, not even marketing budgets, when it comes to putting forth money towards marketing budgets because getting a TV show made about yourself isn't normal. Getting um, all of these different musicians on your album that's not cheap you know i mean if 21 savage is not paying for it himself somebody on his label is because if you didn't know this is pretty uh interesting let me see if you didn't know 21 savage is actually under um exclusive license to epic records meaning that he is sort of not independent but he basically owns majority of his royalties and, and, and masters if not all of them because it's a, a exclusive license a division of Sony Music. And obviously to go into the details, I'll have to see the contract and that's never gonna happen. But if you look at Slaughter Gang LLC under exclusive license to Re Epic Records, that's way different from mostly a, a majority of artists. Let's just go to an, a prominent artist like, let's say Gunna, right? Gunna, there's a reason why He's under exclusive license to Young Stoner Life Records slash 300 Entertainment because who's that? That's Young Thug, right? They're not going to let him go because they still need to make money off him because, you know, I mean, technically he snitched again to the free world. So why not make some money off of him? You know, even though as a law abiding citizen, I would just say he just told the truth. You know, it's nothing wrong with telling the truth sometimes, you know, and, you know, I never advocate for black men to get locked up. Only criminals. You know, I believe every criminal should go to jail. But anyways, that's besides the point. So Abraham Joseph put out this project, um, put out this project, American Dream, that sold what it did, which was a uh, hundred thirty-three thousand, basically getting him another number one album to the point where I had to figure out, um, hold on, where is this at? Okay, so yeah, let me figure out how much he sold with I Am I Was, because I think that would be a pretty good litmus test. Cause they said it barely outsold it. I'm trying to see how close was it. I am. Let's just put first week. Who uses a greater symbol in the album title? Whatever. Um. Okay. I am. I was sold 131,000 first week. And then. Oh. Okay. So this is interesting. So. I put in perspective all the time how streams doesn't equal 
or isn't the same as an album purchase, right? 21 Savage streamed 188 um, million with his uh, I Am I Was album, but it only came into 131,000 album sales. So put that in perspective, 188 times somebody clicked play on your product and 131 sale, 131,000 album units are moved because of that. 188 million to 131,000. That is the discrepancy when it comes to streaming and how it equals to uh, album purchases. So I'll let y'all do the math on that. But so he barely outsold I Am I Was, but still, in fact, he did outsell it, which means he technically did his job as far as an artist putting out a body of work and improving on what he did beforehand statistically maybe not i can't even say quality wise because if you look at the top 10 right i think he has two tracks currently in the top 10 because 21 savages is that type of artist where he just sells like his fan base is going to support him in a way that most his majority of his peers don't really uh support them like that trying to find the charts why do they have the chart so low anyways um red rum is number three on the top five of the billboard charts and then you have nina which is number five and the cross references because i so technically i was looking at the billboards chart but i gotta look at the um i can find it i gotta look at the overall charts and the reason why i'm looking at the numbers is because you know i call myself analytic dreams so you know we got to analyze these numbers. You know what I'm saying? And um, yeah, so three um, with Red Rum on the overall streaming um, charts. And he has number Nina with Travis Scott at number five. So then he has All of Me at number seven. Uh, another track at number eight. I think that's the one with Doja Cat and another track in number 16 what do we have four i can't count the two four we have five and we have another track sneaky at number 20 that's six seven 21 dangerous so he has an actual track charting at 21 which is just so ironic and then basically you get what i'm saying like the album is successful from a statistical standpoint and also quality wise it seems like people really enjoy the album and that's basically what I wanted to touch on because it's not going to be no drawn out review um, of 21 because obviously I'm not the biggest 21 Savage fan. Like I always think that 21 Savage is, is very formulaic in the way he puts out his music. But as far as we're not even put out the music, the, the way he sounds sonically is very formulaic. But his lyrics, his packaging of his rollout and the the um whether it's a movie or tv show with the donald glover thing american dream i think that's what made me realize that this is a quality project because not a lot of musicians are going to put this much not a lot of musicians are going to put forth this much effort when it comes to getting people to recognize their their music because most artists will try to go the whole mysterious route not compete in any stretch of the imagination on dsps and then act like they're still the biggest thing smoking 
or the biggest discovery since sliced bread. And I'm talking directly to Playboy Cardi and his fans out there. I mean, that man to this day still ain't put a track on DSPs to compete with the big dogs in the music industry. So with 21 Savage, he put out music on DSPs, not YouTube, Deezer. Um, basically, he didn't put out music on non-DSPs, right? And basically, the things that I want to talk about is why that is. And I think it's simply because 21 Savage is more influential in the hip-hop space than people give him credit for. When it comes to the Uzis, the Cardis, the Destroy Lonely, or uh, Ken Carson's, the Yeats, I think 21 Savage is up there as far, not even up there, he surpassed them, and is really only comparable to, I would say, maybe a Uzi and a Kodak. Even though Kodak sometimes doesn't sell like he should, but that's besides the point. So, anyways, um, 21 Savage definitely put out... Uh, high quality body of work and i just think the biggest thing with him and the way that he uh sells is is just the authenticity in the way he actually packages his music because i mean the album before that with i am i was i think he had morgan freeman correct me if i'm wrong but i think he literally had morgan freeman narrating like throughout the entire album and if that's not packaging i don't know what is so to to counteract the monotone the the formulaic sonics that he's always given us whether the bars are good or not i think the packaging is by far and away the best thing about 21 savage's music i mean i think i saw his music in a mortal kombat video one time i think it was mortal kombat x or some type of launch trailer and i, I don't know if it was a launch trailer it was like a reveal trailer and they had 21 savage music playing in the background i was like how did this happen so anyways I always like to see the packaging with business minds like a 21 Savage. And uh, I think he did. He, he did the same thing with this one. Like he he really, uh, as far as the, the quality of, of marketing promotion, it was really high with American Dream. So anyways, let's get into the actual album and review. It's not going to be too long. Basically, I'm not going to go track from track because, you know, if you're not Drake, Nicki, Travis, like, you know, you really ain't going to get that type of uh, review from me. And I do think that 21 Savage is, um, his album currently is in my top five of the year. But I mean, if you look at when this came out, it's, it's not that hard. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So anyways, um, American Dream, just giving an overview of it because I'm not going track for track. I'll probably give my least favorites and my favorites, right? As a body of work, it's pretty um, solid. I would say it's solid, especially for a person like 21 who has a certain tone to where he doesn't really it's not able he's not able to switch it up i don't think like at all so even when he gets into his singing bag like the one with brent fires i would say was the only track what was that at? what was the track with brent fires um uh, summer walker did he not list brent fires as a credit or can i not read i probably can't read that's probably what it is Oh, here it is. Should have worn a, a bonnet. So that track is, um, at first I thought the track was pretty trash because the whole running from it and then how he was repeating it, I was like, that's just, that's just trash. But after listening to it, I was like, it's serviceable. Like it went from trash to serviceable for me. And that was the only, that was one of two tracks I skipped on this album to let you know how much I enjoyed it. Right. So the track with uh, Young Thug, that should have just not been on the album. The only reason 
and that that's the one with the poop bar. I didn't even realize that when it first came out. Like everybody on the internet, they was like, "Hey, that man said uh, some, some, some like it poop." I was like, um, "I ain't, I must have missed that one because I just wasn't. I don't really focus on Twenty One for the bars, but we're gonna get to some in a second about him and his bars. But basically, the poop bar, I did not notice it at all when I listened to it because I heard it. I was like, "This seems very low effort from." 21 Savage and Young Thug, and so I skipped it. So that's probably by far and away my my uh, least favorite track off of this album. And I don't know if he just put this on here to like support Young Thug because 21 Savage comes across. Obviously, we don't know him personally, but from a public, from a bird's eye view, he comes across as a guy who will literally put Young Thug in his album to make all the proceeds from this particular track go to whatever. Um. Um. What's the, what's the, whatever the fees are for his uh, lawsuit. If that Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. That makes sense. I don't know why. I'm probably reaching, but I just feel like he's that type of guy to put a Young Thug feature on his album solely to give him all the proceeds from that track to feed um, whatever lawsuit he's going through or uh, through or with his uh, family. So that's the only reason I think that al- that track is on this, but. Honestly, I think it's I think it's trash. So, uh, with that being said, my favorite tracks is by far and away "Dark Days." I like when artists get into the uh, introspective bag, and you're gonna if you're a follower of the podcast, you already know I love artists that give their life experiences through the music and give real dense messages with just information. And dense, I say that because I mean, obviously, a track can't be no longer than three to four minutes, or they're gonna say you're overdoing it. So it has to be dense with information, but not in a way that it just sounds preachy. And and for dark days, I think Twenty One Savage nailed the the balance of of giving a certain message, but then also letting people know that um it's still a replayable track. Like sometimes you give a preachy type message and now it's just lost all replayability because you can't really bump that in a whip when you're trying to turn up. You know what I mean? So Dark Days was pretty fire. Had a nice beat to go with it. I like how he used Mariah the Scientist in a uh, Jay-Z type of way. Like he was just giving the bars and then for the chorus, he let Mariah take care of that, which made it an even more phenomenal track. So that was the standout for me. That was my favorite track off of the album. Number two. I'll probably say the, the the track with Doja Cat simply for Doja. I know I'm kind of cheating with that one, but hey, Doja Cat went crazy. It's the reason why I had her on my top five rappers of 2023 list, and she was top three because um, she's just one of the more um, talented rappers I've heard in the past probably two to three years. And I would say her vocal inflection is why, because it's almost Lil Wayne Kendrick-esque. I say Nicki too. They're probably the best at at changing your vocal inflection in a way that's just um, leaps and bounds above everybody else. Because, you know, your voice is what you're born with. But um, as far as vocal inflection, the way they change it, I think obviously you could work on it. But, you know, what your voice in the way you're born with it, only certain people could have that type of instrument just come naturally from them. I think Doja Cat is one of those where she's rapping in one tone, rapping in another, and then obviously 
drastically changing her uh, vocal inflection to either emphasize a point or just uh, whisper some. Like she had a, a whole like running ad lib throughout her verse, basically saying ad lib and that type of stuff is like, I'm not gonna say it's mind blowing, but that type of stuff to pull that off, I think it it is uh, attributes towards the vocal inflection because even if you say something whack, it's the way you say it that makes people resonate with it. If that makes sense, especially in hip hop, because it's so subjective that you just have to make people believe that what you're saying is fire. And for Doja Cat, she does a great job at rapping and giving double, triple entendres and making it sound in a way uh, that's just. Uh, a lyrical masterclass to where when she gets on this track and starts to literally do ad-libs by saying ad-lib we let it fly because we know what she's capable of as this same year she put out i think it was jesus or jesus i don't know it was a track with kodak black off of um i forgot the movie already the book of clarence that movie basically she had a track with kodak black and that to the honestly that's probably my favorite track of this year that i've heard um, she went crazy on it. Kodak went crazy. But it's just another prime example of two artists who are lyrically gifted, just giving their um, their all in a track. And I think that was a, another great showing by Doja Cat. So I had to um, highlight that at, on this album as well. And as far as my third favorite track off this album, I mean, <laughs> I would have to go with Red Rum. I mean, Red Rum um, is just straight fire. I mean, honestly, I felt kind of slow. I ain't gonna let you, I ain't gonna lie to y'all. Let me tell you something. When people was like, when people were saying the fun fact on Twitter, how Red Rum spelled backward was, was uh, murder, and everybody was in the conversation like, man, oh, well, next you're gonna tell me the sky is blue or the grass is green. And, you know, that was just so obvious, right? You know, everybody was just in the comment section talking about, oh, wow, thank you for pointing that out. I would have never figured it out. And here I am. I'm sitting down looking at my phone. And I was flabbergasted. I was like, wow, that's that's what it, it oh, that's huh. That's crazy. You know, the whole time I'm thinking like red rum, some type of special drink, where he's from. You know, the whole time I'm not putting it in my mind that that it, it spells murder backwards, right? It's just it, it, it's uh as a as a law abiding citizen, I just don't think of things how to creatively rap about murder like that so when i heard it i was like dang red rum must be the fire drinking town that's crazy he's really tapped in whole time i was just out of the loop and it was one of my uh i would say not so special but if you really think about it technically it was special because the way that i was uh just unaware of how it was murder spelled backwards so yeah, do with that what you will. But anyways, it's not going to be a, a deep dive into 21 Savage's album because at the end of the day, it's really nothing to deep dive into. I mean, if you heard it once, you've, you've probably heard all the all the bars. Like, not to disrespect 21 Savage, but, you know, he's not really an interest, like, introspective rapper in that sense. I mean, that's why Dark Days is my favorite because I think that's where he got the closest to actually giving us, like, a lyrical uh, performance. Um what else? Yeah, that's, that's probably it. There was something else I wanted to touch on. I'm trying to find it. Oh, the film. Okay, so the film is coming out sometime this year, I think. I don't know when it's actually coming out. I do know he's going on tour. Uh, 
Let me see if there's anything else. He's going on tour and currently he has two tracks in the top 10 on Billboard. And yeah, man, that's basically it. I guess I guess 21 Savage lives to see another day when it comes to not putting out medi uh, mediocrity. So unfortunate because I was really ready to, you know, talk about how Drake is the only reason. But, you know, I can't really do that right now. So got to be fair when it uh, calls for it, I guess. Even though hip hop is subjective. So I could have still, you know what I mean? But hey, I didn't do it. So. Anyways, that's really all I have for the for the American Dream album. Not really too much of an in-depth review. Just an overall coverage of sales and then my personal um, insight into the album. And not even insight, just my personal uh, review of the album. So, with that being said, click my link tree in my bio. Let me know on one of my social medias. What do you think about 21 Savage's uh, album, American Dream? And what was your favorite track off of that album? Hi, I'm new to Liberty. You're gone. Gone. It's moving so fucking fast. It's ridiculous. So I decided I was going to get a car, but you got to be careful. Got to be careful because shopping for a car is dangerous. I just got to let y'all know that we're going to keep with the theme of playing Cat William comedy bits throughout this whole entire episode because let me tell you something. Why nobody tell me that Cat Williams was on GTA 4? I had to find that out randomly on my timeline, but hey. Here we are. So now that I found this gym, here is another comedy bit from the one and only Cat Williams. If you got a raggedy car, you go to the lot. These motherfuckers keep trying to trick you. Don't take the test drive. That's all I'm going to say. Don't take the fucking test drive. Test drive is the trick. It's to show you how much better this shit is than your shit so you can't even go back to your car again. Here I've been sitting on vinyl with creases on in my back and become accustomed to the raggedness of the seat. Not the you back. Put me in a chair. I didn't even want to drive the car. I wanted to watch television. I was just laying there comfortable. Test driving. Test driving. Don't do it. Don't do it. Especially if you ain't got good credit because they become two different salespersons. Right when you first walk in, they're the friendliest motherfuckers in the world. Make you feel good about yourself. How are you, sir? Might I offer you some popcorn, some some uh, some uh, cheese uh, bits and uh, some coffee? Well, that's an odd combination, but I haven't had popcorn in a while. Don't mind if I do. Thank you. Coffee, yes. Yes, I'll have. And you said cheese bits? Can y'all believe that this whole comedy sketch was in the midst of GTA 4? Make you feel good about it, and then they go in the back room and check your fucking credit and come out like you're an alien from another land. Just, sir, I just ran your credit score. You think this is a motherfucking game? <laughs> All right, we're going to stop it right there. So anyways, the whole reason for the uh, segment is to talk about Snoop Dogg, which I don't know what it is about Snoop Dogg, but he makes news in the most unorthodox ways possible. Like, whether he's commentating a boxing match, whether he's trying to sell a smokeless stove, or whether he's turning down a hundred million dollars from OnlyFans and just gave us that information like it was normal. So yes, ladies and gentlemen, that last, that last uh, little tidbit was what we're going to cover for this segment as Snoop Dogg, apparently unprovoked just came out and told us that he turned down a hundred million dollar deal from OnlyFans. And basically 
He said this during an interview on Instagram live series, Wake and Bake with Double S Express. How do I know this? Hey, just know with my job, somehow, some way, this is the type of information that people are entertained by. So Snoop Dogg declined, right? Right. But why did he decline? Well, if you look at the analytic dreams video version of this podcast, which on Spotify exclusively, um, the video version along with the audio, you will see that this is the reason why he declined the deal. Yes. No, it's not because of his standards. It's not because of his religious beliefs. It's not even because he didn't want to do it. He said it's only because his wife, right? It's only because of his wife that he turned us down stating quote, and this is a quote from Snoop Dogg himself. Ain't no way in the world. She gonna allow me to go on there and pull that thing out for no amount of money. Now, I don't know what he was referring to when he said that thing, but I mean, teach his own, right? This man didn't say no. He didn't say he didn't want to do it. He just said his wife wasn't going for that. And basically, they have been together since their teenage years. Now, I know good and dang well that they ain't been together since their teenage years. So once I seen that, I was like, hold up now. I almost pulled a Kobe Bryant, but I ain't going to do it. You know what Kobe did to Shaq? I ain't going to do it. You know what I'm saying? Or I think Shaq, no, Kobe definitely. Anyways, so we're going to let let that slide, right? So they've been married, happy relationship, faithful relationship. Anyways, so Snoop Dogg explained that true love and mutual sacrifice has been the foundation of his enduring marriage with Shanti Brodus. Hopefully I'm saying that right. I don't even know. Despite... Potential financial gain, Snoop Dogg stood tall and prioritized his wife's feelings over joining OnlyFans. Mm-mm-mm. Y'all snap it up for Mr. Snoop Dogg himself. You know what I mean? Only on the Notorious Mass Effect will you get this type of pertinent information along with the Cat Williams GTA 4 stand-up. So with that being said, click my link in my bio. Let me know on one of my social medias. What do you think about the very important information of Snoop Dogg just coming out of the blue? And telling us he turned down a hundred million dollar offer from OnlyFans. And what do you think was the real reason he turned that down? You know, one of the biggest things about the gaming industry is never knowing what is exactly the most anticipated. So whenever you're making a list of the most anticipated games of 2024, I had to look at a plethora of different sites because of course i'm only one man even though i did play 14 games last year you know i do consider myself a gamer even though it comes with the sweaty tag and the tag of not taking care of hygiene but with that being you know put to the side i would say and i do say for my fellow um critiquers out there about gamers that we do shower sometimes so anyways most anticipated games of 2024 we got to get into it and this is probably the best list i've seen as it captivated a lot of the video games that i've seen throughout the end of 2023 being anticipated so first off obviously we have to start with power world now i know it may be cheating to start with a game that's already been impactful in 2024 and literally this whole episode is covering well the main topic for this episode is this particular game but with that being said 
that means I couldn't leave it off this list. So the most anticipated game for 2024 would have to be Power World because even though, you know, I think it's very interesting in how you can capture a human and then go somewhere else. And if you need a task done, you can bring that human out. And then when you're done with it, you can put it back into this little ball Pokemon style, right? Now, I call that something else as a black man in America. But, you know, teach his own, right? Maybe it's not that serious. Maybe, you know, capturing a human, using him to do your deeds, and then putting him back in capture. Maybe that's something else. You know, maybe I'm just ignorant, honestly. So, besides that fact, um, there's a lot of survival crafting elements in that video game. And there are a hundred plus, I don't know what they call them, but, um, oh, pals, that's what they're called. The 100 Pals, which, you know, is basically Pokemon, but it's uh, it's its own game because the mechanics are different enough to where it's more of a survival type game. I would say it's Minecraft meets Pokemon, but I don't know. Somebody else may be like, no, it's definitely this mixed with that. And I'm be like, hey, I ain't, I ain't looked that deep into it. All I've seen is, you know, I've seen certain things about the game. I watched the game for like three, four hours, watched somebody play it because, of course, I was a little hesitant on playing the game myself. And then I seen the rise in success um and of course like any fair weather fan i was like oh i probably got to cover this so when i was getting into it it definitely seems like it's gonna find itself into a lot of controversy but since this is not specifically talking about the game i'm just gonna leave those facts there as that is probably why it ended up on my most anticipated games for 2024 now what else is on my list i have avowed now if you don't know what it is Avowed is more of a, a Skyrim experience, and this is a, fan, a fantasy action adventure game, and basically set in the world of, um, it's E-O-R-A, because if I mispronounce it, I know you're going to kill me, but it's or it, it, hold up, I'm about to play this, give me a second, I think I could play this straight from the, Eora made famous, Eora, Eora, okay, Anyways, I tried my best. Don't laugh at me. I try, you know me. Hey, I put it out there for y'all to hear it. So, um, it's set in the world of Eora, and basically this came from the Pillars of Eternity franchise, and Obsidian is had well not is it has a very spotless track record of making excellent games. So that is why Avowed is on my list as Obsidian with their excellence as far as their just uh, discography of, of games they've made. I think this is gonna, just going to be another achievement and another um, badge of honor as far as how the maybe the best gaming franchise right now. I mean, if you talk about no duds, I mean, we kind of have to point out a CD Projekt Red or Rockstar, but as far as just like branching out and doing a variety of different things under the same umbrella, as far as gaming developer, I would say Obsidian um, has a very, very high standard of, of just quality driven games. So with this in Advowed, um, obviously we don't have no release date as of yet, but I would say it's going to be fire and especially when it comes out a lot of people are just going to really want to enjoy this fantasy action adventure game and it's just going to be one of those type of games where it's going to make a lot of noise uh <laughs> in the gaming community i mean any type of obsidian made game is going to make a lot of noise so that's why i ended up on this list 
Now, next, for my fighting game fans out there, um, and for my avid listeners of the podcast, you definitely know that I got into the competitive side of gaming whenever I figured out that I was really good at fighting games. I don't know what it is. I think it's basically, I'm not going to say it's exactly like chess, but just being placed on a board and you versus that other person. And basically, there's no type of RNG. There's no luck that happens in the match. It's just you use your tools at your advantage. He uses his tools and y'all try to counter each other, literally. And for me, that factor into fighting games is what I've always enjoyed as far as playing them. So that is why I would say that that's my favorite track. Uh, track. I'm talking like I'm talking about music. That is uh, why that is my favorite game. So, um, I would say that that's probably why Tekken Eight is on my list. So, as far as Tekken Eight, and I forgot to bring the um, game titles up while I was talking about it. But anyways, as far as Tekken Eight, I would say that this is very anticipated for the simple fact that obviously it's been almost a decade since Tekken 7 has came out and with Tekken 8 coming on the heels of Mortal Kombat just completely butchering its release date of such an incredible gaming um, gameplay loop mechanic I would say and the way I say butchering that is because, you know, it's everything about packaging. It's the story, uh, which I think was solid all the way into the end, which it was, like, atrocious. Such a bad ending to where, like, the whole story, I wouldn't want to play again because it just totally derailed at the end. Almost seemed like, you know, the, the stockholders or whatever told them, like, hey, if you don't put this game out by this time, then we're cutting funding or whatever. And so they just forced the product out. So, anyways, even though the gameplay loop was fun, they didn't have basic... um modes in the game and just quality of life uh improvements into the game uh more specifically probably the practice not having like the ability to list out buttons on the screen while you're trying to practice like just stuff like that whereas uh street fighter had all of that like street fighter had everything and more when you cut when it comes to um servicing your audience so now with tekken 8 because first street fighter came out then mortal kombat came out and basically butchered his whole it's a uh, whole release and then you you get into um tekken 8 where it's, it's shaping up to have more of a old school environment as far as just like online modes and and future tournaments basically you know giving the players what they need to uh giving the players what they need to have a longevity type game because obviously you see with Mortal Kombat you put out a game with I think is one of the more uh fun gameplay loops in a while from them but if you don't surround it with co- quality content then it's just gonna die by the wayside and I think that's what happened to Mortal Kombat which is why Tekken now is uh next up as far as the biggest fighting game and that's why it's made my list for the most anticipated for 2024 so number seven um, this is going to be, well, it's not number seven for me, but anyways, as far as this article, uh, one of the things I wanted to touch on was this game that's already came out and it's called the Prince of Persia. Now, the reason I want to touch on this game is because not only is it 
one of the most anticipated for 2024, but it's also doing pretty well as far as the um, the masses because I, I do think that when it comes to making a Prince of Persia game from the previous Prince of Persia, I already had this this type of uh, it was interesting to where people already had this type of perception where the game wouldn't be as good because I don't know the previous game wasn't good like it had a stench of not expecting much because the previous game wasn't you know blow your mind type quality so with this prince of persia game to already be out to get the reviews that is gotten and deservedly so as a lot of people are saying that is one of the best prince of persia games maybe ever so that's why i had to uh hop on my list because i think when it comes to putting games out and especially in today's age it's super hard to, to develop a game and I don't think a lot of people um, keep that in mind when they're talking about certain games that's actually functional, that's actually having certain combat mechanics that's smooth and, and um, story elements that plays along with the combat. It's just a lot of things that goes into developing a game. And that's just more at the surface level. I'm talking about like that's very surface level. So for Prince of Persia to come out like it did and to get these rave reviews, I think it's uh, definitely one of the more uh, surprising releases that, that uh, garnered so much praise. It reminds me of How Far Rush, the amount of praise that Princess Persia has, has received. So, anyways, going into the next game, we have Star Wars. Now, y'all knew that this was going to be on my list because let me tell you something. If y'all don't think Ubisoft is going to take this uh, time to just put everything around the map, then y'all are mistaken. They're gonna try to make this game in a way that you have to play at least you have to play at least a hundred hours just to get to Act Two. Like they're gonna be like, we have the rights to make a Star Wars game, and will Ubisoft? Man, that is a crazy dangerous combination. I mean, the amount of stuff that's about to be on the map is gonna be flabbergasting. Like it's just gonna be so many little protect the outpost oh can you help me with this task type missions that you're not gonna know you, you're gonna lose count you're gonna lose count so for star wars outlaws all jokes aside i think it's gonna be pretty solid it's um very interesting how this is coming out when star wars is going through their uh tumultuous time i mean rather than you know jedi survivor which you know that game to this day like if they made a movie about cal kestis all i gotta say is uh that that is gonna print uh money in itself because there's not one character out there in star wars history that i want to see more than cal, uh, cal kestis and it, it reminds me of when i used to watch um anakin skywalker in the the clone wars um show back on i think it was nickelodeon cartoon network it was one of them i think it was cartoon network but anyways um yeah i don't think i've really enjoyed a, a character's arc like cal kestis since anakin and uh clone wars and if you never played the game just hey you got to play it to understand because cal kestis is is really shaping up to be one of the best star wars characters of all time now, i know that's a high praise but you know as a star i would say i'm a star wars fan i know a lot of different characters and um i'm mean, especially playing the uh, lego games you definitely get to know the characters when i was like little a little kid playing the characters and you get to know that it's like all type of people with jedi like uh with, with lightsabers i thought that was like a sacred thing when you come to realize everybody got a lightsaber like he got a lightsaber she got a lightsaber like so 
for me, I'll probably say that's that's uh, high praise as far as uh, Cal Kestis being like one of the better uh, characters in Star Wars history. So, anyways, getting into the uh, last and final game for my most anticipated for 2024, I have to put my man Cloud because I'm not gonna lie to you, Final Fantasy remake had no business going that hard like the way they remade the game i know i was making a big deal out of uh make sure i didn't put that too big i know i was making a big deal out of resident evil i think it was seven five i don't care but whatever remake resident evil did and how it had nominations for the game awards last year i feel the exact opposite for final fantasy 7 because I think the remake was so, from a foundational standpoint, I think it was so changing um, to the mechanics in the gameplay loop that it deserves nominations and not, and let alone deserving. It should actually win some of the awards in the uh, Game Awards show because I just think they upgraded everything. Like, it's not even from a graphic standpoint. Usually, that's what remakes are for, to upgrade the graphics, you know, basically make you feel like it looked as it did when you was a kid. You know, that's basically what remakes are, to make it look like, oh, this is up to date, like you used to look at it when you was a kid. But now, it's kind of like when you revamp the whole gameplay mechanics, because I think it used to be a turn base to the point where now... I mean, obviously, you have uh, certain turn-based elements, but it's really more of an action RPG more than anything uh, turn-based related. So, and it's open-world experience, and it's graphics are on point to where it's like a completely new game. It seems like it's a completely new game. So, for that alone, I would say that this is probably the top most anticipated game for me, and from what I've seen, a lot of other people out in the, uh, the gaming space. So, I, I would just... Caution everybody because obviously it says February 29th. When this game comes out, prepare to be flooded with Final Fantasy VII content because it's just one of those games where, I mean, we already know what's going to happen because the story's been done like 20 million times. I mean, it's almost like if they made a remake anime show of like Naruto or something. Like we know how the story plays out, but it's the fact that they took the time to show us they actually cared about revamping and upgrading everything in the game i mean i think they even changed the story to the point like they i think they changed certain plot points that's going to be different going forward i have to go back and check but i'm pretty sure they changed something pivotal about the plot so that's going to be a little different like they're not just following the beat for b or else you know the diehard final fantasy fans already know it's going to happen so um i think that's basically it so yeah, Final Fantasy is a, a good game to leave it off on. So, for my top most anticipated uh, games of 2024, obviously, um, those are my list. I guess I could go back through it just in case you forgot it. Uh, let me see. Where is this at? Here we go. So, yeah, the top, the most anticipated games I have for 2024, of course, I start off with Power World. Um, and I'm not going to go, like, I mean, Power World, we have this whole episode is based on uh that game being the main topic so i'm gonna get to that in a second then we had avowed basically because obsidian's track record is just i mean it's just literally one of the best track records ever in gaming development history so avowed uh taking eight simply because i'm a fighting game head 
well, I'm a fighting gamer, like at, at my core. Uh, what else? Prince of Persia is a more of a dark horse in the 2024 run because I don't think really people gave it the respect it deserved before it came out because we didn't think it would be this well made. And so it's definitely the dark horse of the game industry currently. And then we had Star Wars Outlaws, which, I mean, that should speak for itself. I mean, Star Wars is literally a video game set in the Star Wars universe. That should, you know, that should cover everything. And then we have Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. So, of course, the thing that set that up was the previous game, Final Fantasy VII Remake. And for this to be the sequel to that, we're going to expect not only quality content, but also to be an extension of what they already accomplished before. So that's why it's so anticipated because we've already seen that they've went in, changed everything to the point where even the main story is a little different. So um, people can't wait for the, the, um, the sequel to it. So with that being said, uh, click my link, in my bio. Let me know on one of my social medias. What is your most anticipated game of 2024? And also, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna wait for that question. But yeah, what is your most anticipated game personally for 2024? You know, one of the biggest things about CES is that gaming and technology really goes hand in hand. And that is why I kind of wanted to give just an overview of this showcase because if you don't know, several, I mean, several gaming related products was uh, announced at this showcase and one of the biggest things while well, I fight with my mic okay yeah I think that's good all right one of the biggest things that I seen is that there's this thing called and we just gonna get right into it it's the MSI claw right there's this thing called the MSI claw and the reason why this is a big deal is because see if i can let y'all see what this looks like if you want to see it if you want to see the video along with my audio go to analytic dreams video on spotify and you should be able to see it right now so it looks like this and apparently this is supposed to be like the competitor to a uh, switch it's more of like a amd handheld gaming device if that makes sense no no, no. it's um intel hardware as opposed to amd and basically as a competitor in the handheld space because of his uh superior power uh capabilities and his uh what's the right word basically it's parts is more powerful than the competition i mean obviously if you look at the switch compared to this the switch is like basically a legacy console at this point like i don't even understand what nintendo is doing as they had such a great idea with the switch but their hesitancy to upgrade the switch in a way that's uh substantial led to this so now that we have the claw is definitely a way more um enhanced and more powerful version than the switch and it's just certain improvements that makes it to where switch is going to have to uh expedite the process of putting out the switch too and from what I've heard, what I've researched, it's basically subtle improvements of the Switch. And the Switch 2 to be a subtle improvement of the Switch is after all these years. Because 
the gap between the Switch and the Switch 2 should make it to where the Switch 2 is a night and day improvement. But for specs that have already went out to developers, you know, because if you don't know, gaming developers get um, test builds of these new consoles coming out simply so they can make their games compatible with it for when it comes out. Because if you make a console and nobody wants to put their games out on your console, well, then you end up like all of the other failing consoles in the past decade. But the biggest thing I see when it comes to the claw is just that um, it has certain improvements and it's a Windows handheld. And basically, it's like a polished Steam Deck. If you don't know what Steam Deck is, you're basically looking at it. It's something that you can play outside of your console but not like on a tv or monitor if that makes sense like it's a handheld device to where you can bring to your bedroom if you want to play a game or if you want to play the game while somebody else is watching tv or, or on your monitor so that's that's really the biggest appeal i've seen for these handheld devices and i think that's the reason why they are starting to uh put more competitor um, competitive handheld devices out there because obviously the switch is not getting it done so some of the other things when it comes to just gaming related products announced at ces which if you don't know ces uh let's see hold on one second so it's the consumer electronic show let me see if i can find this right quick Yeah, Consumer Electronics Show. That's what it is. And it showcases new products and technology. And it basically gives you kind of a, a synopsis of all the new and improved technology that's coming to consumers in the near future. So that's the biggest thing you basically need to know about CES. And that is why I'm covering it. Because as a gaming um, cover or reviewer, it's very important that you keep up with the latest technology advancements so you know what's coming down the pipeline. So one of the other things that was announced at CES was the Ace, Ace, Asus ROG. I don't even know if I'm saying it right. Basically, it's a monitor, right? And this monitor is more of a competitor to the Alienware type products and uh, gaming monitors out there. So for those who care about 4K and... I've just figured out that like a native 4K and then some other 4Ks are not the same 4K, which in my opinion, I'm like, why even put 4K? And then people be like, well, it's a branding type thing. And then my question is, how is that? Like who certifies what's 4K and what's not? And if you can put 4K on something, but it's not actually 4K, like it's be like natively. If it's not native 4K, then it's not. I don't know. It's, it's super confusing. I already didn't know is that at this juncture, they basically promote it. There's 32 inch display saying it's going to be one of the more competitive gaming monitors out there on uh, the market, which is, I'm just going to spell it out because I'm probably butchering it, but it's the Asus, which is A-S-U-S-R-O-G. So the Asus ROG, Swift OLED. It, it's super, super, uh, like, what is a PG32 UCDP? Like, what, what is that? That's nerd. That, hey, that's nerd talk. If you know that by heart. You a nerd, and it's okay with being a nerd. It's just I gotta let you know what you are. You know what I'm saying? So, anyways, um, other things was announced like the Aces uh, Zen Book. Um, Aces really came out 
from what it seems like and, and really showcase a lot of products which was uh getting the eyes and attention to, from a lot of gamers and just uh technologically advanced consumers in general so a lot of people really don't care for uh the ces uh announcements and, and things of that nature but i think it's very interesting in the fact that it kind of gives you just more knowledge in the marketplace and just showcasing things that's going to be the competitors and maybe the flagship type uh or the, the pioneers when it comes to certain advancements in um their certain field because obviously they start off as concept they, they start off as concepts and even then they could be shown off as just test only models but then it comes to the actual forefront and then you realize that one of the more pioneer uh technologically advancements in the industry was shown off like two years ago at ces so then it starts to make you pay attention more to the show in general because you realize that these are really um important showcases to show what people are working on and so there's a lot of things you can see like if you're a gamer all you need to know is that you, you'll probably see some of the best monitors i mean i think i saw a monitor in the middle of a wheel like it looked like a hamster wheel but it was like human sized and it was like a monitor in the middle of it and apparently it was like a driving type simulator so you could like drive and it was i don't know if it was playstation it was one of them but basically you can hop into the wheel and they could simulate you driving no, you would be playing a driving game, but it would have you in a setting to where it felt like you was actually in a car. Hopefully that makes sense. Anyways, um, let me see. There was something else that I wanted to get into. It wasn't too much I wanted to talk about with the show because at the end of the day, it's CES. So these are a lot of things that's shown off as, uh, it's like not out yet, but it's just showing you what's to come. So it's not really too much to get into. But the biggest thing I wanted to touch on was definitely the Claw, which which is a handheld PC gaming device. And basically, it's going to compete with the likes of a Switch. Because even though it can't get Nintendo-like games on its platform, obviously, there's ways to get around that. I'm not going to tell you how to because that's illegal. But it's still a competitor in the field of handheld devices and switch obviously i think right now is dominating that field so um let's see what else that's basically it obviously there's some vr stuff shown but i still think we have ways to go before we get an actual vr or ar device that's actually usable in in, in society without being trash so <laughs> with that being said like i said not to not too much again to just wanted to touch on that a little bit just to let y'all know that the gaming showcase did happen and um it was pretty good it showed a lot of different things for for people who are into that type of stuff so wanted to cover that for y'all so anyways click my link tree in my bio let me know on one of my social medias what do you think about the ces 2024 showcase and out of all the gaming related products which one piqued your interest the most why somebody say pokemon needs to have pikachu picking up a stick now i don't think y'all understand i've seen so much news about power world and to the point where this whole episode is based off of that specific video game that not only has taken the world by storm from an objective standpoint no, from a subjective standpoint, 
But from a objective standpoint, we're getting into Power World becoming one of the only six, becoming the only the sixth game in the entire history of Steam platform, like entire, like of all time, to have one plus million concurrent players in game at the same time. Now, of course, if you want the video along with the audio version to see um, me go further into that point, type in Analytic Dreams video on Spotify to see the video along with the audio. With that being said, look at this right here. Okay, so basically, Power World had a peak of 1.5 million players. I mean, obviously, if you look at this right here, that's ridiculous. Because the last 30 days, as you can see, it just was released on Steam, I think, January 19th. And it's already broken these type of numbers. Where you have Counter-Strike 2, 1.2 million concurrent uh, players. I don't know, 1.2 peak players. And as far as the all-time top records, as you can see right here, you have PUBG with uh, 3.2. PUBG was a time. PUBG was really... Uh, it just showcases how big PUBG was before Fortnite uh, took over. But that's the point. So 3.2 peak players was the all-time record back in January 2018 from PUBG Battlegrounds. Then you have 1.8 million peak players from Counter-Strike 2. And then what do you have at number three? Power World with 1.5 peak players in January 2024. So not only... Is broken like a decade long drought of just putting up top tier numbers. Well, not a decade long drought. More of like, what was the last game? Most recent game to do that. Most recent game was Baldur's Gate 3 with 875,000 peak players in August of 2023. And that was the last time. Yeah, that was the latest uh, a game broke those type of records. But now we have Power World, and obviously it's in a league of its own, as it's in the top three. Now, why am I saying that? Because I just want y'all to know that one of the things about Power World being described as Pokemon with guns, which is just hilarious, because if you've seen the game, there's other things you can capture, and I don't want to be that guy, right? But, you know, as a black man in society, somebody has to say it, and it might, it might as well be me. You know what I'm saying? So, during the game... I was watching it, you know, just having a joyful time watching my favorite content creator play Power World, right? And I'm over here doing my homework because, you know, I like to listen to streams while I'm play while I'm doing homework, things of that nature. And all of a sudden, you know, he comes up to an MC NPC. You know, I play open world games all the time. So I'm like, hey, that's pretty cool. You know, I got NPCs in the game as well to make it feel like there's other uh, humans um, living. You know, it makes the world just seem more um, live alive and immersive you know what i mean because there's other people adding to the same environment that you're in right so then some random thing happens i don't know i guess he was talking or whatever and they went bad on him like he just started fighting them and then towards the end of the fight you know i guess he was winning the fight and don't you know this man threw out a pokemon ball well i call it a pokeball maybe a pal ball i don't know what you call it. what do they call the capture balls i don't know whatever and captured a whole human and not only that captured a human and then actively throughout the rest of his playthrough had that human come out when he want, wanted him to come out by throwing the ball 
And then the human came out, did whatever task he needed him to do, and then put him right back into the ball and went about his day. Now, I don't know what y'all want to call that. But as a black man in America, that's, you know, that almost, hey, brought back some 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 Ancestry.com type vibes. Let me just say that, right? I mean, I was like, ain't no way. I just seen what I just saw in this video game, and nobody's pointing it out. Like, people talking about them copying Pokemon. I'm trying to figure out when in the world did we go back to, to, to those days? Like, we went back to Red Dead Redemption type days with, with these type of uh, mechanics implemented. Like, it's just really kind of off-putting how that mechanic is in the game and don't nobody care. <laughs> it's like, it's, it's weird. <laughs> it's just weird. I'm just, I'm, I'm sorry. I can never play a game like that. So, anyways, that's my personal critiques on it. But anyways, let's get into some of the more objective stats of the game, right? They call it Pokemon with gun, uh, guns. Obviously, as you know, I just showed you one of the top uh, three ever, and uh, well, top three ever peak players in uh, 1.5. You know, 1.5, 1.8, and 3.2 is the top three records. Power World has the third one at 1.5. So, with them having record-breaking numbers, just coming out January 19th, which is why you see right here when it says last 30 days, it's really you know. What, one two three four i don't know it's one of them so um it's not really too long it doesn't have too much of a runway as far as longevity on the steam platform but the way it came out the gate has everybody's eyes on it to the point where now you know with, with fame and success one of the things you'll probably hear from anybody who's successful comes a lot of scrutiny so people are coming at the developers which if you don't know it's um it's the developers of this game is uh, a Japanese company pocket pair and basically a lot of people been coming after this game accusing it of being a Pokemon ripoff due to similarities in creature designs now I don't really think that's too fair simply for the fact that a lot of their designs are significantly different to the point where it's like you don't notice a uh, uh, um, how many Pokemons do I actually know off-brand Pikachu or off-brand off like uh, Mewtwo or off-brand. That's all I know. <laughs> that's it. That's it. I swear that's all I know. Um, it's been so long since I played Pokemon. But that in itself is why Power World is going off because it just re, re uh, renovated basically the model of capturing something. Usually it used to only be Pokemon. I guess we're doing humans too now. But anyways, capturing something and releasing it to help fight with you it is more of a, a different model that power world has implemented it's more of a minecraft meets pokemon in comparison to just a straight pokemon ripoff hopefully that makes sense so despite the char character criticisms i did pull up some receipts that some people had problems with so if you want to see them just go to analytic dreams video on spotify to see the video along with the audio version but basically there's uh one user right here on x aka twitter says that this specific case turned out that the power world had theirs in a promo video two years prior to when Pepe's created his independently Pepe stated states this later in that tweet thread however they did still pyre I'm, I'm just gonna butcher these names Ethe uh ethereal haze mega defox 
fan design from a whole decade ago. So they're talking about fan designs getting stolen, which I just think is hate. But hey, I had to bring these receipts up to let y'all know and see what they're actually talking about. And then we have another person coming out the woodwork saying that Anubis and Power World looks like a Lucario. Yes, who both look a lot like Anubis from SMT. I don't know what that means. Who all look alike. Who all look a lot like Anubis. Different takes on the same concept look similar. These are not an issue for me personally. I don't think they should be considered as one at all. So they're talking about Lucario, as you see right here from Pokemon. And then you see the one that they have in Power World, which, I mean, technically you could try to say it's a ripoff. But when you do realize that these type of designs have been around for the beginning, not beginning of time. Let me not go that far. But, you know, it's been around a long time, especially this design right here. So if you're going to say they ripped off Pokemon, then, then what was Pokemon ripping off of? Because obviously this looks a lot like this. I don't know. So anyways, the third and final receipt I have for y'all today is somebody saying, basically giving props to Power World, basically saying that if only Pokemon Legends Arceus looked like this, on top of what it already has, that game would have peaked, would have been peaker than peak. That's an interesting phrase. I wish Game Freak cooked and added seasoning. Mm. That's a that's a uh, unique, creative critique right there. Like they, he wished they added seasoning. Basically, calling y'all bland. I mean, you know, somebody had to say it. So, the biggest thing with Power World and the Pokemon comparisons is that Pokemon is not Power World in the sense of game play mechanics. Like the foundation of power world is is more of a is exploring a large map which obviously is pokemon battling human foes which i guess you could say it's kind of like pokemon if you're like battling the trainer i don't know and then capturing creatives known as pals which definitely sounds like pokemon but then i think the thing that sets it apart from pokemon is that it's an open world survival game and in Pokemon, I don't think you ever had to have survival mechanics implemented into the game, like eating, drinking, things of that nature. So with Power World, overall, I would say that it's very successful because, like I'm going to keep saying, I think it mixes Minecraft and Pokemon and merges it into what we have now, which is Power World. So I can see this game having a lifespan of... Um, Basically, I don't see the game dropping off anytime soon. Like, I see it having a decade-plus run. But I also thought the same with Tim Tim. If if uh, my OG Notorious Mass Effect followers, y'all definitely... I, that was before Notorious Mass Effect. That was just when Analytic Dreams was just the name I was going with. So, even... I think that was back in 2020, 2021. Yeah, Tim Tim had a game. And it had, obviously, not similar success. Because you see, uh, they set records with... Well, Power, Power World set records with their launch. But Tim Tim had a similar model to um, them being compared to being a Pokemon ripoff. But they was also successful. But technically, nobody's really playing Tim Tim right now. Like, obviously, somebody out there who's playing Tim Tim, the one out of 50 people, they're going to be like, hey, I'm playing that game. How dare you? But for the rest of the world, they're not playing Tim Tim. So... For Power World to have this unexpected success, to have surpassed so many expectations, and more importantly, this is the most important fact, 
becoming one of the biggest gaming success stories ever like ever like one of the busy, biggest gaming success stories ever in the history of gaming i think that the similarities to the way that tim tim rose to fame being called a pokemon ripoff but power world since it's technically way more features and foundational gameplay mechanics that will set it up uh set it apart from the likes of a tim tim and a pokemon i think that this rapid rise to success with 5 million copies sold and 1.5 million concurrent players peaking on steam being one of the six games in history to achieve this i think this is only the start and this is going to be one of the biggest games in the next five to ten years because i just don't see how power world's gameplay mechanics and gameplay loop which is almost the same thing and the cohesive multiplayer elements is going to be implemented the widespread appeal because of the online interest it's just so many ways to attribute to power world success that i don't think that the pokemon ripoff is going to stick i think it's going to fall by the wayside as people realize that this game has a lot that it offers that's unique to itself i mean i think at one point not comparing power world to fortnite even though i technically should i mean i'm looking at it i don't see fortnite anywhere on these uh top records for peak players and fortnite was a game that changed the gaming landscape as far as the uh getting the general fan that the the casual gamer uh more into gaming if that makes sense so i would see this game actively becoming what we used to know pokemon as i know that's a huge claim and people may get you know nintendo fans out there may be upset by that statement but i do see how the changing of the guards could be apparent with this recent success by power world because i don't know about y'all but you know if you don't advance with the times you're usually going to get left behind so power world obviously saw that people was getting tired of the old two color pokemon format being the same game with like minor changes format they got tired of that um well they recognized people getting tired of that format to the point where they went in revolutionized the whole survival elements along with pokemon type elements into it and now we have our own game that's seemingly going to be around for at least five to ten years in my personal opinion I did not see it getting this big. I remember watching uh, one of my favorite content creators playing the game and then realizing that it just looked like a, a game that he was just playing for fun. Pretty cool game. And I didn't think anything of it. Days passed. And then I realized, so I was like, as far as seeing it, I've seen it early, but as far as it's rise to fame, I did not think it would get to this point. So that's why I, I decided to to speak on it. Because I've seen the progression. And now I just want to give my sentiments on where it's going to go in the future and where it's at now. Because a lot of people will get um, distracted and misled by certain narratives out there. But I just want to give you the facts as far as statistically, as you can see right here, the top games currently. And then let you see some of the other things where like the way it debuted, which is um, what it shows right here. And I just think 
that these two oh also on steam i don't even know if i brought this up uh top sellers is still number one ahead of the steam deck which is that crazy this is a steam deck like something that's anyways um yeah so power world is just one of those games where i could see this being a new pokemon and i said that about tim tim and i was wrong so i'm hoping to be wrong again but at the end of the day only time would tell as power world and tim tim from a foundational standpoint is very different mechanically to the point where you could put a lot more hours into power world and find new things to do compared to a tim tim where the the gameplay loop is kind of already set out for you if that makes sense so anyways i think that was basically it i think i got to everything i wanted to get into uh they said a mod is expected to transfer oh okay so basically there's a pokemon mod out there i think that's what i had up i think i took that down hold up that was the one i was talking about i think i took it down anubis was this it that wasn't it nah i definitely took it away goodness uh if only pokemon let's see is this it Now, there was a whole like Pokemon mod for uh Tim Tim, but honestly, I think I lost it. So I was I was wanting to show y'all that because I think that's very interesting. But honestly, I don't even know if I want to show that because hey, Nintendo don't be playing. Nintendo will pull something down in a heartbeat. That's why I'm so surprised that this even that this game even saw the light day. So I'm not even gonna play with Nintendo like that because you think there's a reason why uh all these nintendo ip is only on their console they don't like to share nothing <laughs> like they're gonna be like oh you're using our content uh you gotta come down you know what i mean so that's why you usually don't see too many creators getting like early copies of nintendo properties because they don't really mess with us like that i ain't gonna lie to you so um anyways that's basically all i have to say so there is going to be a pokemon type mod for power world but not only do i think i don't need it uh not only do i think they don't need it but I think it's just going to be very successful with the model that they've already implemented. And despite the controversy, oh, and also there's controversy about um, AI use in the game as far as uh, generative AI tools in the game and creating the game's creatures. But hey, until they're able to prove it, they're just going to be talking, uh, what they say, talking into a cloud, into the space. Like, no, nobody's going to listen because. If Nintendo had a case to, to sue Power World, they would have been did it. So, anyways. Yeah, I think that's basically I'm trying to find. Oh, okay. Uh, one last thing. So, Power World, this is going to sound like I'm a PR person, but I swear I'm not. Power World is is uh, currently available on PC, Xbox One, Xbox Series X, and Xbox Series S in early access form. Dang, it's not on PlayStation? Dang, PlayStation ain't got no games. See, I used to say Xbox ain't had no games. And now, full circle moment, PlayStation don't even have one of the biggest games of the year. Anyways, Power World is priced at $26 on Steam, discounted for early access, increasing to $29. Man, a whole a whole whopping $29. Man, that's, that's breaking the bank, ain't it? Let me chill. Let me chill before they put it back up to $70. <laughs> um, on January 25th, so that's for uh, Steam players, that you can buy it now for $26, discounted for early access or 
you could uh, buy it for $29 when on January 25th. Xbox players can purchase it for $29. What's up with that? Why is it only like half the price of a, reg a regular game? I mean, obviously it's early access, but I mean, I'll stop other games for, from taking money in early access. I mean, I felt like that was the usual, like early access and then take your money and then act like you're going to put the game out later. And, and then surprise and be like, hey, surprise, this is the final version. You know what I mean? I don't know. We'll, we'll see what they do. But anyways, Xbox players can purchase it for $29 in the Xbox store for well, with a 60-minute trial option. And then the game is also available on Xbox Game Pass for console and Windows PC. Hmm. So, yeah, for my PlayStation players out there, hey, I guess you just got to watch one of the more popular games in recent history on somebody else's uh, playthrough. Or just get a PC or an Xbox. I mean, technically, I got, you know, not to flex, but, you know, I got a little PC myself. So, I may, I may have to boot it up. No, I'm just playing. I ain't got no uh, interest in uh, PC games right now. So, anyways... Uh, that's basically it. I think that's all I wanted to cover. I want to make sure I cover everything because Power World is pretty significant and it's uh pretty humongous. And also, there's a hundred over. There's over a hundred and thirty pals, which is you know the little Pokemon type name they have for that game. And um, just so you don't think it's like oh it's early access, so they must not have a lot. Like they have a lot to to work with. And um. It's also about battling, crafting, and building a base. Uh, so it's a lot of. Oh yeah, that's basically it. All right. So, anyways, biggest thing you need to take away from this is that Power World is not going anywhere anytime soon, and that Pokemon fans out there may just have to get used to the new normal because it seems like Power World is taking over, and I don't know if they're gonna release their um, grip on this type of. Uh, gameplay loop anytime soon so with that being said pikachu may need to pick up a stick but anyways click my link tree in my bio let me know on one of my social medias what do you think about power world taking over the landscape as far as being the new normal as uh, a pokemon fanatic goes and also more importantly what do y'all actually think about power world do you think it copied pokemon ladies and gentlemen we finally have action. Now, this all started simply for the fact that Power World was successful in a way that brought a lot of attention to it being a Pokemon ripoff. So much attention that not even Tim Tim was able to accumulate. Because if you don't know, like you can see right here, shameless plug to Analytic Dreams video on Spotify to see the video along with the audio power world has sold over 8 million copies in less than six days yes ladies let me, ladies and gentlemen power world has sold over 8 million copies in less than six days to put this in perspective i brought up the charts from steam right the peak the all-time peak record of uh, players on Steam. Let's see, make sure y'all can see this right quick. 3.2 million by PUBG Battlegrounds back in January 2018. So to put in perspective how big Power World is currently as far as astronomical historic numbers, Power World 
has set the record for the second most concurrent peak players on Steam. So peak players is basically the highest amount of players currently playing that game. And Power World set the second highest record with 2 million. So it also shows you how big PUBG was when it originally came out. But you know, all the credit went to Fortnite because technically it did steal its thunder. But talking about trying to steal someone's thunder, Nintendo had enough. They saw all of these people coming out making articles talking about how Power World is just completely ripping off Pokemon and just being very ignorant in the sense well I'm talking about the people who made the articles being very ignorant in the sense that if Nintendo had a lawsuit with some credibility they would have been trying to take Power World down do you know how much money Power World has made in the past six days if they could send a, a cease and desist and could find any type of credibility I promise you they would have already as power world has basically I'm trying to i'm trying to find an actual source with the amount of money that they've made because this is ridiculous somebody says phil spencer is already trying to acquire the developers of power world so they said power world costs one and this is by insider gaming right power world cost one billion yen to make and the ceo didn't want to budget money so basically after all that okay here we go power world came out and said that they've sold over five million in three days that was back in january 22nd so you can kind of see the concurrent player just rising again and again to the point where now they're the second most all time i don't think i'd be able to find the money how much money they've made in the past uh Oh, I found it from Jeff Keeley himself. Just just in the nick of time, wasn't it? Um, okay, so basically Power World, let me bring this over so I can see it, has sold over 7 million copies in five days on Steam alone. And then this is Jeff Keeley out of all people, like the head owner of the Game Awards, like the biggest award show for gaming, right? He came out, said, quote, Power World has sold 7 million copies in five days on Steam alone. Remember, this is back in January 24th, so the numbers are a little off. And then he confirmed with Pocket Pair that this is only on Steam. So, well, PlayStation doesn't even, they don't even have the game. I don't believe. Yeah, they don't even have the game. Xbox and PC players are the only ones that have this game currently. So anyways, Pocket Pair said that these are the these are only steam numbers not including xbox sales or game pass so solely even though it's on pc and xbox because you know they cut a deal to have it on the game pass these numbers are specifically for pc the the amount of players and how it translated to dollars is approximately 189 million dollars that power world has made in the past five days so you can see why i'm saying if nintendo had any type of foundation to stand on as far as suing power world they would have done it already because that is just insanely it's just egregious amount of money that power world is making right now 
like astronomical numbers power world is putting up right now never seen before numbers i mean other than 2018 with PUBG, numbers on steam right now is is very much a moment in time for gaming and i try not to be dramatic but objectively is literally something we've never seen before only once back in 2018 so just trying to put that in perspective for y'all also power world is currently launching a sale on steam now i sound like the pr person but what i'm about to get into i don't want anybody who plays power world to think i'm hating on the game because i'm about to bring up some points but i want to be fair so they are currently launching a sale on steam and obviously they put their uh most played game in the world you know things of that nature available on steam 10 percent off for people who uh want to buy it on steam so uh let me see it launches until January 25th, 10, I think, p.m., PST. It doesn't say 10 a.m. or p.m., so I don't know if it's a.m. or p.m., but PST should probably tell you a.m. or p.m., and I'm probably just ignorant. So anyway, <laughs> with that being said, let's keep going and, and further my point as to why I think Nintendo would have been sued them if they had the ledge to stand or if they was able to uh be on that ledge to actually have some credibility because they came out with a statement out of the blue basically seeing all the random people make articles saying that power world is just a pokemon ripoff and if you don't think that nintendo i mean literally nintendo is not to be played with i think i forgot to say that nintendo is not to be played with i mean literally they are the creators <laughs> of mario zelda Pokemon, they have generated billions of dollars. They have been around for decades, long history of just innovating in the gaming industry. Forget just the the regular video games, just the gaming industry as a whole. Nintendo has consistently put out things that's changed the culture drastically. Like Game Boy, uh, Nintendo Switch. Like, I don't have to talk about how big Nintendo is, right? So, anyways getting back into them their status in this industry should let you know that them not being able to find any way to actually sue power world should should tell you something about how little validity um a lawsuit would have because there's really no solid foundation for them to stand on i mean there's no there's been no proof so why do i say that is because nintendo put out a statement and of course it was in it was either Chinese or Japanese? I forget because I just found out that those two are, are different languages. Like, apparently, they use the same character symbols, but it's tonality that makes them different. I had no idea. Call me ignorant, but hey, I guess you learn something new every day. So, anyways, um, Chinese, technically, is what we, I'm going to call it for this. And then getting into um, English translation, Nintendo came out and said inquiries regarding other companies' games. Okay, now you've seen the original. I'm just going to go to the English-only version. All right. So, make sure I can read that. Okay. We have received many inquiries regarding another company. <laughs> Yo, I, I'm going to be so immature throughout this whole reading because this just screams 
we can't get them on anything, but we see y'all trying to help us out. Yeah, like y'all keep trying to help us out because we trying to build this. Re it's like they trying to build a Rico for Power World. For all my hip hop fans, y'all know. Yes, unfortunately, y'all know what that means. Nintendo is trying to go crazy with the Rico on Power World. Like they trying to build their case to the point where it's just, it's is concrete evidence that they've built at the end of the day that's that's what they're trying to build they're trying to build up evidence to the point where it's concrete to get them taken away locked up i don't know something they're trying to find anything so basically they came out and said quote we have received many inquiries regarding another company's game released in january 2024 <laughs> they're not even saying the name are they saying the name anyways we got to finish this we have not granted any permission for the use of pokemon intellectual property or assets in that game mm -mm -mm. we intend to investigate and take appropriate measures to address any acts that infringe on intellectual property rights related to the pokemon we will continue to cherish and nurture each and every pokemon in its world and work to bring the world together through pokemon <laughs> in the future end quote now ladies and gentlemen how in the world do they manage to throw shade without even naming the developers or the actual game that's currently outperforming them on every litmus scale in 2024 i have no idea like to put out a company to put out a statement for the pokemon from the pokemon company and not even dress the name once is insane to me like y'all know who we talking about but we ain't finna name them call them out by name because that's giving them even more publicity even though they done broke records for the most popular game ever as far as peak players so with that being said obviously you know power world is a new game being compared to pokemon basically people are calling it pokemon with guns so for the pokemon company to come out and talk about this and not even name it like you know good and dang well who they talking about and who they referring to but it's just the the comedic element of not even saying their name is just too much for me i just i just lost it i was like bro ain't no way y'all actually acting like y'all can't say their name it's like uh, uh what's his name voldemort Voldemort I'm not a Harry Potter fan so y'all probably gonna kill me for that but anyways uh Power World and Pokemon of course had different uh gameplay styles as far as the foundational aspect because simply objective take is Power World is open world it's his main mechanic and and intrigue is open world but Pokemon main intrigue is turn-based strategy if you want to argue with that then you're just not being factual. So anyways, the comparisons arise with uh, Pokemon and Power World simply due to the creature designs. I mean, I literally had, you know, I did my due diligence because I do take this job seriously. You know what I'm saying? Um, Pokemon and Pals have been compared a, a plethora of them, which if you look at it, I mean, y'all had to tell me which I ranked this uh as far as similarity from a one to ten and 
once again, Analytic Dreams video on Spotify to get the video along with the audio. But anyways, let's look at this right here. So this is our first comparison. Who is that? Our favorite, well, one of my favorite Pokemon anyways, and Lucario. And apparently the one to the right is Anubis. And now obviously you could say, well, that's not a similar at all. But some people will say that's completely ripping off Pokemon. All right, let's go into another one. So these two Pokemon, obviously, well, not two Pokemon, I've, I've already said it. Uh, the one on the right is a Pokemon, the one on the left is a pal, of course. And I don't know these names, so of course I don't know all the names for Pokemon or pals, but all I know is that this is an actual comparison that's been floating around the web. Now, another one is this one right here. Now, I believe that this one is called Gardevoir. I think that's what she's i think it's she he i don't know pokemon i don't know the genders i ain't trying to get canceled i just don't know so anyways this is another comparison that people are bringing up as far as ripping off pokemon and um yeah so the other creature comparison is the one right here as you can see the one on the left is from power world the one on the right is from pokemon then we have another comparison like these comparisons goes for, for days and actually this is the one i had a problem with I was like, nah, if they have any type of case, is this one right here. Like, if there was any way for them to get Power World, is through this character right here. Because you can't tell me this ain't a straight ripoff from, I think it's called Boatman. I think it's Boat Boatman from, from Power World. But, of course, the Pokemon is called uh, Luxray, I believe. Um, it's just one of the more notable Pokemon in the game. But, as you can see... This is a blatant ripoff to me. This was the most egregious I've seen. But then that doesn't it doesn't stop there, right? This is the one. Uh, okay, so this is like, it's this is Luxray in like the Pokemon show, and then this is Boatman in um the Power World universe. Basically, I, I looked up more stuff for that because uh it that was the most egregious to me. All the other ones was like ah similar, but I don't know. This one is like come on now, like come on now let's 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 be serious <laughs> let's be serious <laughs> so anyways uh that's why this came about anyways because pokemon's like hey don't believe we ain't trying to get these dudes like they might as well said they the ops and we trying to get them that's basically what this whole statement from the pokemon co company is telling me because they saw this and it was like nah bro you got to come off, off off of that bread like there's no way you finna renovate using designs from our game allegedly and make this amount of money from it like i said with the jeff Keeley tweet like they made over almost 200 million dollars in five days somebody is coming for that money and somebody is going to try some to find some type of law to get that money back as far as a cease and desist and who is that going to come from i would say it's going to come from nintendo now i'm not saying power world is copying pokemon at all i'm just bringing up points to be devil's advocate of course so that's basically it. Some of the other things is that, you know, of course, Pokemon, the only reason I'm covering this is because the Pokemon company, which is, well, not Nintendo, but, you know, subsidiary of Nintendo came out and actually put out a statement, like an official statement from the Pokemon company. That's the only reason I'm covering this, because at first it was just hearsay. He said, she said, people making up fake designs and stuff and, and trying to get Power World in trouble or only to find out it was fake in the first place. Like, only reason I'm covering this is because it's from the official Pokemon company, and they and they uh, stated this. 
basically confirming that they are literally investigating into potential copyright infringement on power world but the way they worded it is they didn't name power world but you know exactly who they're talking about and i love this because it just brings me back to my hip-hop roots because this is the premise of hip-hop to come back in strategic ways that even though you're dissing somebody you don't you just don't um blatantly say their name like drake does it all the time to jay-z jay-z does it all the time to everybody um i would say kendrick does it but he doesn't he just blatantly says their name um it's just so many times where this is in hip-hop oh nikki just did it to megan the stallion i'm probably losing my gaming audience at this point let's just say hip-hop artists do it so much that when i see it in the gaming space i'm like finally somebody is out here throwing subliminal disses the the correct way because the incorrect way is to say power world is definitely still in and we gonna find it well now power world can sue you because if you ain't found none then why are you uh defaming us you know which uh technically some people in the community who's modding for uh pokemon into power world you're probably gonna get a lot of lawsuits coming your way because nintendo does not play let me tell you one more time nintendo like i think one of the biggest things you should probably notice is the amount of early access keys that get sent out to certain content creators simply for the fact that nintendo runs a tight ship and other companies are more um inclined to bring you in behind the scenes to let you see how it's ran but uh nintendo does not do that at all so for something like this to come out which i'm not going to say insinuates that there was a behind the scene work before this game came about but uh, Netflix, uh, Netflix, I didn't say Netflix. Nintendo is going to use everything in its disposal. And best believe it's a lot. Like as far as weaponry and its arsenal, I think Nintendo is like John Wick compared to a lot of these other companies. So they're going to come with the utmost preparation against Power World. And so in conclusion, I mean, Power World's success, obviously, is just immense, uh, astronomical uh, out of this world not really be compared to anybody except for the 2018 PUBG run when it hit like 3.2 million I think I still have the stats up here yeah yeah you can see right here that's not the all-time but obviously Power World is number one right now but all-time you can see right here January 2018 was the last time we've seen something like this as far as 3.2 million I mean obviously Counter-Strike 2 back in 2023 Lost Ark back in 2022 but 2 point million i mean speaks for itself that it's is generational type numbers that's being put up uh these past two to three years which would let you would lead you to believe that we're in a golden age of gaming because a lot of these records being set has happened in the past three years but never like this into the two million mark that hasn't happened even I mean, obviously it was 3 million, but even the 2 million mark hasn't happened since all the way back in 2018 with PUBG and 3.2 million peak players. So obviously I'm going to go back up to the top games right here. So anyways, um, yeah, man, good luck to Pokemon. Well, not even good luck. I don't care if y'all find them infringing or like, I honestly don't care because y'all are supremely powerful and should have been made a game like this as far as using your ip and the fact that you stay stagnant putting out two shades of, of colors and thinking people are going to be satisfied with it at least uh, games like power world just continuing to thrive in popularity uh, popularity because it set a certain spin on 
your creation and now the world is blowing it up to the high heavens so you know setting records and sales and player engagement is is i think directly correlated to the innovative take on building your own world with uh pokemon well technically pals so anyways click my link tree in my bio and let me know on one of my social medias what do you think about power world versus pokemon and do you think that at the end of the day uh, pokemon will be able to have a lawsuit put against power world and do you think they could come out victorious in their lawsuit it's a pleasure pleasure to be here in liberty city Ow! sticking with the trend of playing cat williams comedy bits during the unexpected appearance in gta 4 for episode 134 we have to get into just the brilliance of cat williams throughout this entire episode so throughout random segments throughout this episode i'm going to be having just different comedy bits from the one and only cat williams crazy liberty city anything goes everything's crazy Weed is illegal. Ain't that a motherfucker? They should have put that in the motherfucking brochure. <laughs> Feel free to come to Liberty City, but weed is illegal. Kind of cockamamie shit is this? Weed is illegal. How the fuck can you make a plant illegal? Weed is just a plant. It's just a plant. It just grows like that. And if you should happen to set it on fire, there are some effects. That's not the same as drugs. Drugs, you got to do shit to it chemically. You got to add baking soda, water, stir it up. I don't know the recipe. I'm just saying there's some shit you got to do to it. It's ridiculous. Weed ain't never hurt nobody. Aspirin is perfectly legal, but if you take 13 of them motherfuckers, it'll be your last headache. All right, we're going to stop it right there. So anyways, I think that Cat Williams being in GTA 4 is the most random fun fact that I've learned in the past seven days. So with that being said, of course, let's get into the topic at hand, which is a lot of business talk when it comes to just the gaming space in general, but more specifically, PlayStation executive Sean Layden believes that the trend of big open world games is leading to unsustainable budgets in the gaming industry. Now, before I go any further in the details, because he said a lot, but I would like to let y'all know that technically, if the gaming studios, unlike the movie studios, I would argue and debate that gamers have more backlog than any form of entertainment in the history of mankind. Maybe you can make an argument for music, but as far as video games and the amount of hours you can spend on a video game, I think that if gaming companies try to make certain games more expensive just because of the length and the runtime, well, same thing, we could easily boycott and just play the games in our backlog. Like I would be more than happy to go back to a remastered version of Mario 60, uh, Super Mario 64, right? So with that being said, obviously Layden has suggested that industry needs to reevaluate game development, which honestly, I think that's been a reoccurring theme throughout the past two to three years. I don't know if it was the pandemic that brought it up more, but now people are just starting to try to put a label on these long video games and call them live services to the point where 
even if you charge $70 in the base game, they still try to hit you with a roadmap to make you pay extra for content that should have already been in the game. So with the advances in technology, things are getting more expensive to make video games. Is I mean, whether you have a coder, whether you have a game testers, the developers, of course, um, what else? The, the actors, the, the voice actors, um, the anime. It's just so much stuff you have that goes into building a sustainable budget for a video game. So that is why I think it's interesting that one of the biggest at doing it is coming out and saying that basically the reevaluation needs to happen. And because of the increase in game development and marketing budgets, they're not, they need to be matched with a, a accurate price or a fair price. The thing I say to that is on one hand, the, the consumer friendly me wants to be like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, obviously, you know, games could be expensive or whatnot, but don't raise the price or we could easily boycott. Then on the other hand, devil advocate, I completely understand what this man is coming from. Because if you look at the gaming space from the beginning of time to now, and then you look at the price from the beginning of time to now, one could argue that game devs and companies have had the most backwards and barbaric approach to pricing their product. And who is to blame for that? I mean, they say the development costs for AAA games range from $80 million to $150 million. And basically, this is historic. It's not even close to what they used to be in the past. Basically, this is at a point where they're reaching new heights when it comes to AAA game development. So since development cost is what it is, I think they need to try to make it back some type of way, right? So the devil advocate take would be that obviously it makes sense to increase the price because the product is obviously increasing. Gaming industry is the only space where you can increase the product and then the price stays the same for, what, over half a decade to a decade now? And I mean, they literally just raised the original game price from 60 to $70. And I think back in the day when Game Exchange, I think that was the right, I think that's the right story. Game Exchange, GameStop, things of that nature. I think even Blockbuster, well, that's when you rent it games. So, yeah, like Game Exchange, GameStop, those are the only places to where... The price in games fluctuated based on the popularity. I don't know when it started, but and I was just listening to somebody cover the industry um, for a while. He was going over this point. So it's not my own, but this is how he uh, framed it. He basically said it was a certain game that happened to where all games start to be priced at $60, but it didn't used to be that way. It used to be whatever the developers thought was a fair price for the product they was putting out. So I blame the gaming industry. I blame the game devs and I attribute to the W to gamers. I mean, it's okay to just say that, Hey, maybe the consumer won 
and we just need to re reevaluate, which is basically what Sean Layden is saying. He's saying that these development costs for games are getting um, exponentially larger and we got to see some type of return on our investment. And basically also, which is very interesting being as a PlayStation executive, suggested that game developers focus on shorter games with tighter, more compelling content to control cost and maintain retail prices. What does that scream to me? They trying to cut back on the content. I mean, if Spider-Man 2 wasn't a um, inclination, a perfect, a picture perfect layout of what PlayStation is trying to do, then I don't know what is. They literally, and you know, I have no way to scientifically prove this. You know, I don't know this for as a fact, but I believe that Insomniac was told by the higher ups that whatever the runtime is and the the uh, full game price has to be um, has to correlate. Right? We can't have fifty hours of of play time with a uh, a seventy dollar play uh, price tag. Basically, we got to cap it at some point, which is why I think Spider-Man 2 ended up being literally around the same runtime as Spider-Man PS4. So I don't think it's a, a coincidence that the executive of PlayStation literally came out to say that other developers should focus on shorter games with more compelling content to control costs and maintain retail prices. And this reminds me of when Rockstar's I don't know if it was CEO, it was somebody during the earnings call said that he would suggest certain, um, he didn't suggest a, a pay per hour, but basically he looked at other industries because if you look at it from an um, entertainment standpoint, streaming services are, are uh, subscription based and you get a lot of content from that. Um, ESPN, well, any type of sports platform a subscription base things of that nature that's basically where he was coming from i don't know where the pay from for, uh, per hour came from but basically he was talking about a subscription model and you know who's implementing a model that i think is gonna be here for the long run xbox with the game pass which is a subscription model so i think when you get into how the future of gaming is going to look I don't even see us having an actual console in the next five to 10 years. I think it's going to be a cloud service where we download games similar to Steam. You download games, upload, um, yeah, you download it, you play it, and then it just, you know, it just stays in, in your backlog. But as far as physical consoles, I think it's going to be a thing of the past simply for the fact that I think the subscription model is the way to go for gaming. I mean, if they are going to keep complaining about budgets, being way more than a return on investment, then they're going to try to find some way to counteract that, which is a subscription model, I think. So Xbox is obviously ahead of the game with that. So it's super ironic and I think cause and effect that the former PlayStation executive is coming out to say this. Usually if it was just some random gaming inside, I, I wouldn't cover it. But him being the former executive of PlayStation probably means that he knows a little <clears throat> probably means that he knows a little bit that the average consumer or even the average developer does not know so for him to come out and says that uh and say that we need to stop giving consumers all this content and and cut back which is basically what he means by saying that uh 
the the trend of open world games is leading to unsustainable budgets that's like in turn saying like cut back on the content because we're giving them way too much for the uh baseline price point <clears throat> so at the end of the day i think that this is going to be a, a reoccurring theme of of game devs and especially executives coming out and trying to i don't even think game devs because then i'll put a bad light if the product is bad like video game but as far as like console exec well company executives like a, a, a playstation an xbox a nintendo i think we're going to see more executives speak up and then i think we're going to obviously we're going to see some obvious ripoffs of the game pass i mean playstation is already trying to do it but for some reason it's not as popular but hey i don't know why but for some reason it's not as popular so in the long run in short in in my uh solution to what sean Layden is saying i just think if he's so focused on runtime compared to price point they should just do a subscription model and that's probably the most like anti-consumer take i'm going to give because if you're not playing games let's say one month but then you're playing you're paying the subscription then that means you're you're basically paying for nothing. But if you play a game, technically it's a seventy dollar price point, so obviously it should uh, correlate or um, be equivalent to like seven months of of price point, if that makes sense. So, um, yeah, that's all I have. So the biggest thing you need to know is that PlayStation is serious about cutting back on the content and not really trying to give you more than what you're actually quote-unquote paying for so anyways click my link tree in my bio let me know on one of my social medias what do you think about playstation executive sean Layden coming out saying that these open world games need to end because they're leading to unsustainable budgets in the gaming industry and what do you think is the ultimate solution to development costs for triple a games uh historic rise in uh yeah that's basically it what do you think about the development cost for AAA games, historic rise, and breaking all type of records for development budgets? One of the biggest things about covering the video game industry is just watching them discover, and not even discover, but just recognize a game that was once not really anticipated become anticipated simply based off the quality. And that's basically what happened with prince of persia the lost crown which is just getting just a lot of praise right now critically acclaimed and so much um praise when it comes to quality wise but you know statistically it's very troubling well not even troubling it's very hurtful and um dismissive because of the success of power world now is that power world's fault of course not but of course when you make a great product you would like it to have its uh deserve and earned flowers and for the developers of this game ubisoft montpelier i think i'm saying it right known for the rayman series and other titles like beyond good and evil and zombie U. I believe that since they made a phenomenal game in prince of persia they would like to have their flowers but of course with power world basically being the most is literally the most popular game of all time if we're talking about a, a short span because it broke 
the peak record for amount of players playing with 1.8. I know previously when I covered it in this episode, which may break the illusion, but sometimes episodes take me days to record. So <laughs> anyways, so with the update in the day, which means it's the next day. Anyways, y'all get what I'm saying. 1.8 is now the the record for the most amount of peak players for a video game. And who achieved that? Power World. And who falls to the wayside because, because of it? Prince of Persia. But fear not, as I am here to give you the utmost details about this game. And by utmost, I mean we're going to cover the surface because I ain't played this game at all. But I've watched it, and I think in general, when you get into this game, as you can see right here, Analytic Dreams video on Spotify for the video along with the audio version, is a interesting game in the sense that it's a 2d platform uh platformer with a focus on melee combat and why is it interesting because obviously you see right here some of the throwbacks of prince of persia uh with the sands of time if you don't know also developed by ubisoft but with this upgrade and i'm not gonna say remaster because i think that'd be disrespectful this game really just from a, a foundational standpoint improves on a lot right it was released January 18, 2024, with early access available on certain platforms, uh, January uh, 15, and is available on PC, PlayStation 4, 5, Xbox One, Series X, and S, Amazon Luna. When, when do they start getting games? What like what is that? I ain't gonna lie, I cover games. I I've like I haven't heard Amazon Luna in a while. Like what is that? Anyways, Nintendo Switch. Uh, solo play early access on pc and xbox and it's lower requirements for pc players simply for the fact that it's a 2d game i mean so that should go without saying but anyways uh some of the biggest things about this game and that's uh making people gravitate towards it if they're not one of the eight 1.8 million people playing power world is the time powers which basically is after is that a spoiler i don't know if that's a spoiler anyways we're gonna go past that because i don't know if it's a spoiler or not um early access outfits are available through the deluxe edition and ubisoft plus offering a unique outfit called the immortal along with prosperity bird amulet and then the premise because y'all probably wondering what is this game about i don't even think i've gotten to the main story of this game so basically prince of persia is set around sargon which is the protagonist aim to save the abducted prince and restore peace in the land of simurg i don't even know how to say that in the mount of quaff bro i swear that's cool bro q-a-f what is that that has to be like a, the most ignorant take on a on a word i've ever seen because i don't know it like like excuse my ignorance my ignorance but that just seems like like anyways that don't make sense anyways whatever that region is right um so that's the main thing you're going to save a prince this is why it's called you know prince of persia so it's like some mario type beat other than you know instead of a i think the prince is always a male so yeah instead of a woman it's a male you know what i mean but um what else will i get into so yeah that was basically it uh ubisoft multiplayer Montepeller is working on Beyond Good and Evil 2. And yeah, 
that is it for the future projects. And the reason I don't have too much to say about Prince of Persia is literally because I just wanted to cover the game. I didn't have too much to say about it myself, but I did see that Power World basically, you know, I'm not going to say it's not, definitely not intentionally, but because it's literally the most successful game on Steam in a short span of time, like out of all the games ever released in history, Power World is the biggest by far with 1.8 uh, peak concurrent players on Steam. So that inevitably is going to step on Prince of Persia's success. So that's why I wanted to shine the light not only on the game by showing some gameplay, but also just giving you some tidbits of what the story is going to entail, uh, who developed it, and other tidbits like the whole available outfit through the deluxe edition. So, you know, do of that what you will. But, you know, for me at the end of the day, I'm still playing Cyberpunk, so I won't be getting to this game anytime soon and I, I looked at my i guess that would be nice to get into like um what i'm looking forward to as far as gaming i i'm thinking about playing the suicide squad game which i think that's the next topic but anyways um but after that i don't know i mean i would like to play wolverine but with that whole thing going on at insomnia there's no telling when that game gonna come out so at the end of the day, uh, Prince of Persia is there if you would like to play it. And for me, I just think it's another telltale sign that if you make quality, uh, people will come. Well, that's not the right saying. If you build it, people will come. And with Prince of Persia, Ubisoft, Montpellier, uh, Montpellier, I don't know how to say it, um, definitely created a, a nice quality game in Prince of Persia. So... With that being said, click my link tree in my bio. Let me know on one of my social medias. What do you think about Prince of Persia? Switching gears and getting into a MOBA, which is Smite. And not only Smite, but the sequel into the decade-old Smite, which is a colorful third-person 5v5 MOBA featuring over 100 mythological gods. Now, of course, when people hear a sequel, for such an iconic legacy game like this, people are hesitant and taken aback because, not gonna lie, Overwatch 2 really did a number on sequels for such iconic titles. Now, one could argue that Smite is by far and away more iconic than Overwatch, and you would be correct. But stay uh, sticking with that same premise, this is not going to be a sequel is more i mean obviously it's smite 2 but in the sense of a sequel it's not really that it's going to be more of a remake and a strictly better version of smite <laughs> so I, I swear i'm not their pr team this is basically what i've read what i've heard what i've seen the overall goal is to make it more of like a I'm going to call it a remaster. They don't want to say remake or whatever, but they're not going to call it a sequel because it seems like they're keeping more of the foundational gameplay mechanics and gameplay loop. But with this game being developed by Titan Forge Games and them making Smite 2, I think we can obviously surmise or summarize that this is going to be a lot of overall improvements, whether it's graphics, whether it's uh, character models, animations, things of that nature which is what they also promise. So one of the new mechanics, of course, with it being Smite 2, is 
the auto build feature and basically the way that it simplifies item purchase and upgrades oh, no 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 there's uh new mechanics including the auto build feature simplifying item purchase and upgrades and the learning curve being easier for new players now what does that mean because i've never played smite so when i look at a moba i think of it more as a very very sweaty game as far as getting into competitive nature if that makes sense there's just certain terms used in moba that obviously you've heard in other games like in fighting games you've heard somebody be like oh he's about to alt me or he has his alt you know stuff like that but in mobas like the whole i think there's like a middle left and right lane i know all mobas not the same but from what i've seen um i forget there was this one moba i used to watch i'm completely blanking on the name right now but it was basically a lot of just coordinating with the group to the point where it's like this is not for me i'm more of a solo player that's why i like open world rpgs but as far as mobas that's a complete opposite of that because i believe it's like multiplayer uh online battle arena i think that's what it is i don't know anyways um so with that being said the transition from smite to smite 2 is basically to improve everything about the game so it's not to make uh just a intense sudden shift for players who've been used to smite's gameplay loop smite 2 is just simply to upgrade on everything made in smite uh which you could obviously call a sequel but the words of the of the the words that they use is basically it's not a sequel it's more of a uh improvement of everything i know hey do what you want because after overwatch 2 do we really believe these game developers when they say they're about to improve on something that's literally iconic i don't know we'll have to wait and see but also speaking on visuals the unreal F engine 5 is bringing visual upgrades and development efficiency to smite 2 and enabling uh faster prototyping and more control for designers and also with the uh monetization involving compensation for smite one players with legacy gems and free skins in smite 2 acknowledging of course all the time that they put into the game and obviously the community so smite 2 also plans to keep all of the 129 guys from smite 1 and there's five new ones with adjustments adjustments to individual guys abilities based on player feedback so in general They've changed so much that they just decide to slap a two on it and not call it a sequel. Make that make sense, but hey, that's the world we live in. So for Smite 2 being scheduled for spring 2024, I think we could obviously um, anticipate it coming out very soon. And with the... I'm trying, I'm trying to find their name again. And with Titan Forge, obviously... They are basically trying to stay true to the Smite MOBA and just solidify the whole gameplay loop that they basically uh, made with the original game. And they do not want to make any drastic changes that will make original Smite players unhappy. So they go off a lot of feedback 
basically uh, kind of just told you in the segment some of the things that they're going to implement and upgrade. And with them staying just faithful to the core of the Smite experience, I think that it's more of a quality of life improvement. So I don't know why they'll slap a two on it and act like it's a new game. But hey, here we are. So I don't know if they charge because I've never played Smite. So I don't know if they charge. I don't know what they what the price point is. But basically, the overall goal of Smite 2 is to emphasize the importance of preserving what makes Smite great, such as enjoyable content, team fighting moments, and depth of, mo of a MOBA. So at the end of the day, you know, obviously you could tell I'm not the biggest MOBA player in the world, but I would definitely not be uh, doing my job if it wasn't to cover one of the biggest MOBAs to ever be created in this gaming industry. So with that being said, click my link tree in my bio. Let me know on one of my social medias. What do you think about Smite 2 coming out spring, this spring in 2024, of course? And also, do you think that Smite does, uh, was ready for a sequel? Or did you want to just keep having them improve the original base game? You know, it's a privilege to have a job and at a particular juncture you're going to find yourself having to either switch jobs or unfortunately you may find yourself being laid off and that's exactly what a lot of workers at twitch is currently undergoing as there's been a significant workforce reduction i'm talking about 35 percent of its employees approximately 500 workers is now laid off so why is this happening? Well, well, financial losses and basically the top executives citing a lot of reasons, such as Twitch's uh, CEO, Dan Clancy, basically coming out and mentioning, mentioning the closure of the Korean office in February due to prohibitively expensive operations. Hmm. Interesting choice of words, but hey. That's the reason that he gave. So that's the reason that we're going to stick with. Because if you don't know, Twitch reportedly does not make any money. I know it's hard to look at somebody like Kai or Aiden who basically founded their career off of Twitch and then made millions of dollars, right? And then the main platform itself isn't making money. It's kind of hard to uh, make that make sense. Because usually the way that I've been told is that if company A pays you a certain amount, then they'll probably get in three to four times that themselves, at least. So for Twitch, I think it's different because if you think about, well, if you think about it, Twitch is huge. I mean, obviously. And I think the reason for this is because of network fees and just how expensive it is to run a live stream channel. Or just servers. So I would say that the high operation of supporting live stream content on a global scale and it reportedly costing them a thousand per month in expense in expenses with each high volume streamer. So not a thousand a month just in total, with each high volume streamer, it cost them about a thousand per month in expenses. So in turn, that is when Twitch realizes that if they're not making money, 
well, they got to start doing something because it's only going to be so long that the owner, which is Amazon, is going to keep funding them just to break even. At some point, they would like Twitch to actually have some type of um, increase in return on investment, if that makes sense. So, with Twitch paying over a billion, with a B, to streamers in the last year, the layoffs are probably confusing to some because they probably think that Twitch is just rolling around in cash simply because they're giving out these millions to creators. I mean, that's the whole reason I brought up Kai and Aiden. But when the owner of Twitch, Amazon, is also laying off employees uh, back in November of 2023 from, well, yeah, they're also laying off employees then you come to realize that every company is finding themselves, I'm not going to say at a loss as far as uh, revenue, but I would say that companies are realizing that they don't need as big of a workforce to achieve certain results. Because why in the world would you think cutting down the workforce would increase revenue? Well, I think the most expensive thing for a boss is the workers as far as like the overhead because you have to pay people to work and that's probably the biggest fee. And then next to that, I think it's like operational costs. I could be wrong, but that's, you know, that's just my guesstimation or my guess. So for a network, uh, for Twitch to basically talk, talk about all these network problems and how it wants to prioritize revenue or add revenue and how the prioritize uh <laughs> try to say this by them prioritizing ad re revenue not being successful as far as the the tactics that they've went about increasing ad revenue at least to them trying to make it up in some other way like if they're going to keep remaining unprofitable for amazon nearly a decade after the acquisition then they probably need to drastically change some things to try to bring in more re uh more income so what does all these words mean basically for you probably nothing but if you work for twitch if you're looking to work for twitch or just any company in general you'll probably realize that a lot of companies are laying off people and specifically for twitch i just wanted to lay out some of the reasons because obviously twitch has a huge implication on the gaming direction i mean one of the biggest moments in gaming history, like history, like of all time, happened on Twitch when Ninja was streaming with Drake and Travis Scott, which ultimately brought gaming to another stratosphere as far as the average person wanting to game. So Twitch has been instrumental in so many movements when it comes to bringing gamers and just the gaming just entertainment space in in front of the average consumer to the point where it's 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 sad to see them go through this but at the same time obviously they will have to figure out something to increase ad revenue because it's not like they're losing viewership i mean i think i saw somewhere their their popularity and usership is still increasing 
they are just struggling to turn a profit, which I know sounds crazy to the average person, but I'm telling I'm telling you that the network fees comes with that added usership. Like, like I said earlier, for every high volume user, I'm trying to find that stat again. For every high volume user, they basically pay about a thousand per month in ex uh, expenses. So with the huge cost of live stream content especially on a global scale like twitch i just think that this layoff is basically to try to i mean forget twitch the layoffs in general in the video game industry because it's been a lot of if you've been paying attention to every company they've been laying off people it's bigger than twitch and more of a particular statement on the video game industry as a whole as also unity software i mean they announced that uh 25 staff reduction is in um is in play so i'm not gonna blame the pandemic but it's interesting how after 2020 a lot of these companies start to reevaluate the marketing well not marketing uh strategies but basically their funds and how they allocate them to the point where they realize that the workforce needs to be cut a significant amount so at that point i mean what can you say because i always believe in going where you want it so if one company doesn't want if one company doesn't want you then you know, hopefully, <laughs> I mean, hey, you know, hopefully somebody else would, you know, somebody will gladly take you off whatever company lays you off. You know what I'm saying? So uh, for Twitch, though, you know, it's sad for all those people who got laid off. And basically, I think including 2023, it's been about a thousand job layoffs for Twitch, if I'm not mistaken. This move, yeah, because the previous two rounds of layoffs in 2023, totaling around 400 positions. So now it's close to a thousand in job losses in uh, less than a year. Like I said, the Twitch CEO's main reason for it was um, due to prohibitively expensive operations. Mm-mm-mm. So with that being said, click my link tree in my bio. Let me know on one of my social medias. What do you think about Twitch laying basically a thousand people off? It is finally here. Now, when I tell y'all that Rocksteady has had a fantastic track record, I mean a one of one. If you think about all the games that they've developed, published by Warner Bros. Games, when you talk about the Arkham Universe, I mean, it's just a work of, it's just a masterclass at its finest on how to create such a great trilogy for such an iconic character. Now, with that being said, this game looks like trash. Now, somebody has to say it because it's not only does it look like trash, it obviously looks fun from a transversal and from a shooting standpoint, but story-wise, and enemy type wise it looks very bland to the point where i don't even know if i want to play the game at first i was thinking about playing the game and giving it a chance because 
you know, I have a confession to make to y'all right now. I enjoyed Gotham Knights. Now, before you click off, because I know you're probably saying that's blasphemous. You probably threw your phone across the room, which, you know, you should probably, probably shouldn't do that because, you know, it may break. But anyways, I played it with my cousin. So, technically, my enjoyment of the game was probably higher than anybody who played it solo because I had somebody else with me throughout the entire campaign. So, obviously with Suicide Squad, is another game that's multiplayer and basically you could play the entire game with another player. And with this announcement, well, not announcement, but with that, you should probably be asking yourself, well, how come you want to give Suicide Squad the same chance that you would Gotham Knights? Technically, I've always been a huge Nightwing fan because of my just affinity for Teen Titans. There's nobody on the Suicide Squad that I care for. Like, in general, the name is terrible. Like, in 2024, going on, like 10 years down the line, I think we're going to look back on a game titled Suicide Squad and wonder how in the world was this marketed? How in the world was this an actual promotional title for a video game? I mean, just talk about the more flagrant takes on insensitive titles ever created. I think Suicide Squad is up there. I mean, at that point, we might as well just go back way in, in uh, it really wasn't that long ago, and just, you know, title one of the games like Sla Slavery Squad, you know what I'm saying? Like Harriet Tubman type B, you know what I mean? Like at this point, the insensitivity is through the roof with the Suicide Squad title. I don't know why I just realized that because when looking at it, and when typing it in, you realize you will get flagged because suicide is a trigger warning because it's very sensitive. And I know a lot of people don't like to focus on it. And this is a game, you know, not really about that. But technically, the title alone is too much. Like, if you're going to have a title that insensitive, then I'm going to put it, point it out. So it's just like when I pointed out in, in Power Worlds how you can capture humans and use them to do whatever. And it's basically slavery. But, you know, hey, st people still playing Power World. So anyways, um, obviously with Suicide Squad, it's one of those things where they had to come with a compelling story because obviously it's developed by Rocksteady. I think that would be the saving grace is the story because with the Suicide Squad, no, with the Justice League being um, in the game, that means that we have something to look forward to when it comes to Superman, Batman, Flash, Green Lantern, Wonder Woman, I believe. Is Wonder Woman in this game? I think so. I forgot. But also, Joker. So, Joker was just recently announced to be in this game. And not only in this game, but he is a playable character. Now, before y'all say anything, no, it is not the Joker from Rocksteady. Or else, I don't think it is. Because I've seen the actual character model and gameplay and i was like there's no way that they're gonna tell me this is the same joker that was giving batman the beats in his own video game right so i don't know where they got this joker from it literally just looks like an off-brand version of joker but the only thing about it is it's actually in the dc universe so i don't know what they're doing with that i don't know if it's an elseworld joker i don't know what they're doing so anyways um that's the first playable character as far as dlc 
And they said that season one for Suicide Squad includes a lot of different. Uh, let me see. Yeah, it includes new boss fights, enemy variants, playable environment based on Joker, and two new episodes with activities, missions, and strongholds. So before the game even launches, they're already talking about post-launch post launch content, which technically is not a bad thing because if the game comes with a lot of content at the beginning, I could see them getting by with this roadmap that they've already shown us before the game even touched uh, down, right? But my thinking is this live service is trying to beg for your attention by letting you know that they put so much effort into scamming you. So as far as getting the standard edition, $70, the deluxe edition is 100 you know, normal stuff, right? Scamming you into thinking you're going to be paying for a whole game when they already showed you that they're trying to get your money with the roadmap. Like. They're trying to do the live service route with the Suicide Squad, and it's just screaming. I don't know if it's Square Enix. I forget who made the game, but it's just screaming Avengers all over again. I think this game is going to be the modern day Avengers, maybe a slight improvement. But that is why I don't take this game over Gotham Knights, because I don't think Gotham Knights was ever approached at from a live service standpoint. Like it got to the point where they realized that they just needed to make a good game because wasn't nobody believing in their live service. But for Suicide Squad, they still believe that people want to play this game for years to come. And th that roadmap that they shown before the game actually launched is going to matter, right? I'm just telling y'all, it's, it's just a scam. Like, it's a looter shooter but in a superhero game. I don't think, like, it could work, but in this setting, I don't think it will ever work. I think the best way to make a looter shooter work is if they ever remaster DC Universe. If they ever remaster DC Universe, I mean, not even, they don't even have to do anything. Take DC Universe, make it, because I think it was, uh, I think you can still play that game on consoles to this day. But anyways, take that game, remaster it like uh, Bioware, remaster Mass Effect, and just put it out and make that the live service and start to uh, update that game with modern day graphics. I think that's what they need to go at as far as the live service and give that to Rocksteady. But giving Suicide Squad to Rocksteady and t telling them to make a live service game out of it. I mean, if you can't make a live service game out of the Avengers you're not going to be able to make a live service game out of Suicide Squad. Like, it's just not going to work. I just don't. Like, who told them that they was able to make a live service out of this? Like, it's just, it's just not going to work. So, anyways, um, basically, the missions that you'll be playing, if you, ever, if you do end up picking up this game, the missions are going to be incursion-based, killing time missions, and there's going to be leaderboards for solo and team play so not only this game does not look good but anyways not only is it it's just come it's just the leaderboards for solo and team play just threw me off because what is this a sports game like imagine going through the story and then the leaderboards pop up and you'd be like hey i got more kills than you like do people really care about that in superhero games maybe i'm tripping so anyways 
Um, that's basically it. And then this game is set to come out January 30th. With the success of Power World, I wouldn't be surprised if they delay it. But since they've delayed this game so many times, I just think at this point they try. Like, hopefully y'all remember and don't ever forget that the reason they pushed this back is because it was so bad. Like, the reason they pushed this game back is because something leaked. I think um, all the loot or whatever, or it being the looter shooter, because they never said that. I, I don't think they said that as far as uh, the extent of the looter shooter. Like, they just said, oh, um, it's an action, you know, RPG game. But they was never, like, explicitly, oh, it's a bullet spongy. You have to upgrade your weapons. Like, they didn't say none of that. We just thought it was, like, a story-based game. Come to find out, it's a bullet spongy game filled with bland AI enemy types. And that was leaked to the point where they had to push the whole game back because it was getting so much negative press. So, now... For them to come back and show their heads again acting like they changed a new leaf when it's still a looter shooter they're still showing you a roadmap trying to take your money after the base game well after you pay for the base game and three it's just not a compelling story like suicide squad versus the justice league it's like batman uh v superman all over again like you know that one should not beat the other but we're just going to entertain it for story element like I, I don't know so anyways um at the end of the day Suicide Squad, it's probably going to be a flop, especially in the midst of Power World, like the biggest launch ever in gaming history. And this game comes out like four days after. <laughs> like, hey, good luck. <laughs> but honestly, I don't want to see Rockstar, uh, Rocksteady fail because, you know, they made the Arkham games. So I just want to see them fail with this game. <laughs> it's just because like go back to making story games not based on greed and taking people's money. So anyways, click my link tree in my bio. Let me know on one of my social medias. What do you think about Suicide Squad, Kill the Justice League? And also, are you going to play the game when it comes out or no? The game that everybody has been asking for. I mean, ever since 2013, when the last rendition of the college football game came out, people was clamoring for another college football video game so it's been over a decade and now ladies and gentlemen ea sports college football is set to make a comeback simply due to the legal bat battle between paying the players being finally settled with the incorporation of name, image, and likeness, NIL to be, you know, to abbreviate and stuff for that. But anyways, this game is expected to release July 12th, 2024. But EA Sports came out and said that it has not solidified a specific date and stated that the game is coming out in the summer. I ain't gonna lie, that's the worst way to dispel the rumor. Say, oh yeah, it's not coming out that day, but it's coming out around that day. Like, okay, like, all right, we believe you, wink, wink. Like, that's just, that's funny. But anyways, so of course, the the game is so big as far as a, a, a fan base due to the popularity of college football. I mean, if y'all knew 
the amount of revenue a university made from just football, I think those players would boycott. <laughs> I can't kid you not. Like if you was the actual star player of a football team, if you knew how much an, a university made off of a college football season, I think they would boycott. I mean, it's just there's no other sport that comes close. Like maybe if you win the championship every year in basketball or tennis or no, nah, it's it's really no tennis. I don't even know why I brought that up. Maybe basketball. That's the only sport I could see that maybe could come close to what football brings in. But college football is really nothing like it. And honestly, if you really want to get into it, it's really nothing like it. Um, even when you compare it to NFL, like college football, still, it's just the passion is is way more apparent in college football than it is in the NFL. So, with my sports take to the side, because you know it's not the Stephen A. Smith route. I want to get into the game and basically the lawsuit that EA had to deal with, because if you don't know, a lot of players was uh, mad, irate, upset that the game was making a lot of money off of their likeness, right? So EA Sports had to settle for $40 million dollars. And that is why they didn't resume the game due to the NCAA restrictions on player compensation. So that's why um, the game stopped in 2013 for y'all who don't know. So since it's been gone since uh, 2013, the previous versions, like the 2014 game, is sold at higher prices. It's still sold at a a premium price. And you could charge people for a premium price because guess what? Who going who going uh turn down cuz if you don't know in video game industry um preservation is a hard thing to come by especially when a lot of these retro consoles are getting just demolished and just don't work so when you find an actual retro console that does work then you have to pay premium price for it so to correlate that with this if you find uh, NCAA 2014, uh, yeah, 2014 game that does work, then you will pay premium price to have it just to say you have it because not a lot of people probably still have that version of the game, and which is why it's sold at a high price. So with that being set to the side, let's get into the current status, right? So July is the, the rumored release date for this game. But EA has said, wink, wink, that it's not going to come out that specific date, but acknowledged a summer launch. Now, why in the summer? I think it's also kind of weird. But hey, it's the way they do things. So I do expect for such an immersive experience that college football, by far and away, should be the new Madden. Like when we talk about a football game, no longer should Madden be the upsetting, mediocre child that exists in the gaming industry. We should now have the new standard of football games with NCAA 14. Football, of course. So I'm I would project that this game will probably be one of the more successful video games of all time. When NCAA 23 or 20, it'll be 24, right? Yeah. When NCAA 24 comes out. 
Will it be 24 or 25? Now nah, I can't count. I think it'll be 25 because technically 2024 is already done as far as the championship and the championship date wouldn't be till next year. So yeah, so NCAA 2025 or 25. Y'all get what I'm saying. <laughs> the game, right? Will be the most successful game, one of the most successful games of all time, putting it up there with the likes of Fortnite, the likes of uh, Call of Duty. I think it has a chance to just and captivate the gaming space simply due to the fact that that multi multiplayer one that that's going to be insane like the, the uh playing against people online but also just in general sports games tend to sell well because of its uh gameplay loop if that makes sense so with that being said um obviously i may expect for game modes like road to glory um other highly anticipated game modes to come back just being revamped um quality wise being upgraded improved and just expect anticipation to be through the roof because this type of game is and and will always be coveted by his fan base and deservedly so because it is one of the better games that's uh defined my uh childhood i would say so Anyways, with that being said, I want to say, was there anything else I wanted to get into? Mm, that was basically it. It was pretty straightforward. I mean, if you don't know that it was basically discontinued because of the lawsuit to EA. And because of that, you know, they had to stop in 2013. But now they are back, rumored date to be July uh, 12th, 2024. So with that being said, click my link tree in my bio. Let me know on one of my social medias. What do you think about NCAA 25 coming back? And also, as far as the game modes, what are you looking forward to playing the most? I ain't gonna lie to y'all. They got me feeling like I'm mad committed because why in the world do I know the academics in Young Miami are trading all caps towards one another? Like, you would have thought the caps lock was not even a thing when it came to them exchanging words with one another. You would thought that was just regular typing because the way that you use caps is to emphasize a point, right? But to go back and forth and use everything in all caps, like you're shouting and emphasizing every single word that you're saying towards this man or woman. So anyways, what am I talking about? Well, of course, gossip. At the end of the day, ongoing feud between young miami and dj academics it's been long-standing beef simply for the fact that academics basically tells it like it is young miami kind of retorts what he says with straight insults <laughs> that's basically it so of course if you don't know academics been on p diddy pause for his sexual assault allegations and Basically, because of that, and also other things, Young Miami is um, more inclined to rep reply to academics because guess who can't reply to P. Diddy or uh, academics no more? P. Diddy can't reply to academics because I think if Diddy ever tried to contact academics, it would be on front page news. Like as far as academics always saying that he's a law-abiding citizen 
if P. Diddy was to contact that man, I think he may be indicted on a RICO for no reason. So with that being said, um, academics obviously said a lot of things towards Young Miami and Diddy as far as their involvement. And so Young Miami had enough and basically accused academics of a lot of things, most of them untrue. And academics accused Young Miami of some things which technically, if if we're talking about what happened in the P. Diddy assault allegations, you could su- summarize, or summarize or basically come to the conclusion that some of the things that academics were saying is on point. Because the lack of addressing the points that he was making leads you to believe that what he's saying is true. Like, if you're in an argument with somebody and somebody says something and you completely disregard what he said to bring up some irrelevant point, basically throwing insults at whoever or at the person you're uh combating with verbally then i'm gonna be led to believe that you don't want to address those comments because they might be true because if they weren't true guess what you could say they're not true or you could sue them because if somebody's saying something flagrantly false on a platform like academics you can easily sue them so i mean just look at tasha k so (laughs) with that being said um obviously this whole feud between academics and young miami goes way back from um i think it was a diss in a nightclub where young miami was playing a snippet criticizing academics for speaking about women and usually academics is the type to respond never like instant like he doesn't start it he usually responds in other not all cases obviously there's some cases where he starts it but uh specifically for young miami because you know, no disrespect to her, but City Girls sold like I think six thousand copies first week, something like that, like six thousand, thirteen thousand. It wasn't nothing big, right? It was pretty bad to be on a major label that uh, City Girls are on. So, and I like the City Girls, so I didn't want to see them flop. They just flop, you know. It's like the numbers say they flop. So, anyways, um, with that being said, Young Miami obviously put a nightclub snippet out criticizing academics for speaking about women. And even though academics speaks about everybody, I think that him talking about Young Miami, especially at a time when it was flopping tremendously, like as far as putting on a master class on how to flop, I think the City Girls really achieved that. But that's, that's besides the point, because I do like JT when she raps. But Young Miami, uh, academics responded to the nightclub snippet, basically bringing up the allegations against Diddy and suggesting that Young Miami... Um, benefited financially from diddy and other things you know and so young miami of course clapped back and accused academics of certain things about obsessing over her and challenging his credibility and then uh young miami also accused academics of a lot of things that technically i'm not gonna say because the way she did it was she quote tweeted somebody else so she could easily say that she didn't say that so to get out of it like if you tried to sue somebody because you really can't just go around especially on a big platform or any platform. I think you can't just go around like just disseminating uh, information. That's false. You can't just be out here and be like, Oh, he got, he got a STD. You know what I mean? Just be saying that just, Oh, she got STD. You know what I mean? You can't just be saying that over and over and over or you end up like Tasha K. Anyways, I don't know why I keep bringing it up. She's just like the most popular uh, figure for just blatantly lying. So anyways, um, Diddy obviously is not going to respond to academics. So what Young Miami saying what she said, uh, I do have a clip up of academics responding to her and basically reading off one of the tweets uh, targeted towards him 
And if you want to see that along with the audio, make sure to type in and just follow uh, Analytic Dreams video on Spotify for the video along with the audio. So with that being said, let's get in, let's get into this hilarious uh, back and forth between academics and young Miami. Because let me tell you something, if this is not ignorance at its finest, I mean, you would have thought we was watching a Boondocks episode in real time. And without further ado, let's get into the masterclass of academics just straight going in on a on yet another musician. Um, it's just a fat, funky, dirty ass bitch, you a loser. We streaming Kai, old wash bitch. You know the funny part about this? These bitches actually think I'm in um All right, first off, first off, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. What's up with all them adjectives? Like goodness, like fat, funky, and dirty? Like, that's like a three piece and a biscuit, ain't it? Anyways, my fault. I just had to point that out because that was a lot of adjectives and, and, and girls know how to do it, don't they? Like, they just they just put them adjectives together like it was nothing. Like, she just really went at us jugular. But anyways, all right, let's 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 see what uh, academics had to say about uh that clap, that clap back and uh, retort. Shorty, you could even make it on Kai's stream because he's not going to be streaming with a loser like you. You feel me? At the end of the day, what Kai do is an amazing stream. Kai's the best streamer. But I'm not in com in competition with him because what I do is definitely different. He's the best at what he does, and I damn sure the best at what I do, too. Okay? That man talking that talk. Put it like this, young Miami. The reason why, and I'm going to tell you what's going to happen, nigga. Let me give you three options that's going to happen. This is wild. Words. Everybody can write this down. Y'all either finna get dropped. Hey, hold up. He said write it down. Make sure you get a pen pencil paper you know things of that nature to to retain what he's saying right now but anyways let's keep going it's gonna happen mark my words everybody can write this down y'all either finna get dropped okay because you suck you've been losing fucking money for everybody <laughs> why he say it like that okay so you either get dropped or y'all gonna separate i'm giving y'all 12 months factuals mark it down rewrite it i'm telling you what's gonna happen mm. JT gonna do her thing and you gonna keep suck pissed on because that's your only fucking talent. That little piece of shit reality sh or, uh, a podcast. Hold on. Hey, first off, you know, I don't condone speaking towards people in that manner. Let's just say this is a PG podcast, right? And that last statement he just said was wild. That's his top. You know, it's why he's academics and, and obviously <clears throat> it's only so many statements that you can make about this man before you just get to the point where you just say that that man just don't care. He just don't care about how you react to anything. He says his tone, none of that. Like tonality is a real thing. And I think when you don't really see too many of these people you talk about in person, they start to bring up that tonality as an issue, which is why they say he is acting gangster. And it's simply for rants like this. I guess you had that shit ain't coming back. Because you're too fucking lazy to do it on your own. You could keep your shit going on because for whatever reason, you did have a buzz doing that. But you're too fucking lazy. Just like you're too fucking lazy to help your fucking teammate out to make some fucking bars. You didn't write shit. You didn't do once, that. Once again, PG Podcast is academics. A very R-rated streamer. But, hey, just, it's not me cussing. It's him. All right. Just, you know, let's keep going. Shit. You're just a fucking waste of skin. Mm. Yeah, I got to see his eyes when he say this. Like, he, he got to be off something. Like, it's, like off the Henny or something. Like, why he, why he staring at the camera like that? Like, he he, he, he need help. I ain't going to lie. That's, 
Like these type of rants he go on is just like he he got to get some off his chest, and I don't know why it takes women to do it, but like maybe it was growing up he didn't get certain women. I don't know what it was, but it's just he has a certain vitriol, and it's so funny. But at the same time, it's so sad. But anyways, it's so entertaining. Let's keep going. That's a fact. I'm telling you this because I'm not I'm not making up shit. I'm telling you this because I've heard everything behind the scenes. Okay, that's the other thing. So <clears throat> reason why academics is the GOAT, because he actually does hear things behind the scenes and more um, you know, before people discredit it. A specific example I could give is when he literally had the verse Nikki's verse, original verse off of motorsport where she was dissing cardi and literally came out said he had it saying that you know nikki was dissing cardi i think nikki came out something like that said oh you won't you don't have the verse of me dissing cardi and guess what he did he went on stream and literally played the verse so it's things like that he's done that time and time again to make you realize he's not just lying like he actually has his like he is like in the behind the scenes and, and talking to certain people who have certain real credible information which is why he when he talks people listen because we've come to realize that he's not lying in anything he's saying so uh he goes on to talk about young miami and how they talk about her not being able to read not writing her own raps but we already knew that i mean we knew that yadi wrote act up so and um i think we learned that from act too anyways that's what i'm saying like academics is the goat but you know when he goes on these type of rants it's uh it's just entertaining for me, but some people they just they 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 be taking it personal. But uh, yeah, I can understand why they would take it personal. Cause I mean the peed on bar that was that was a lot. Like the only talent getting peed on is just like that's that's not even fighting words. That's that's way past that. So, anyways, um, let's see, let's um. Yeah, let's wrap it up with that. So anyways, uh, click my link tree in my bio. Let me know on one of my social medias. What do you think about that hilarious back and forth between academics and Young Miami? And also, uh, what do you think is the main reason people have a problem with academics? Now, can't we all just get along? I mean, it hurts my heart to cover this in the way I'm going to have to cover it. But for some reason, Ice Spice and Lotto are beefing. Now, if you don't know, Lotto just recently hopped on a new track. And by new, I mean, it was a track that I think I added to my playlist. It, it was uh, it was pretty solid. It wasn't too much. I thought it was going to be better, but it wasn't bad. So back outside with uh, Anissia? 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 I think it's Anissia. Anyways, I probably mispronounced that. Um, that track... Oh, the promotion. Yeah, so the promotion for it, basically in the background, she had Ice Spice playing, uh, Ice Spice playing, uh, video playing while she said, I just want a one-on-one. I don't know why she's so nervous. So for the promotion of somebody else's track that you're a feature on, you have a snippet saying, I just want a one-on-one. I don't know why she's so nervous. Coincidentally, as you play a Ice Spice video in the background. And that was the only time the Ice Spice video was there throughout the entire music video. So now, come to find out, you know, after a lot more research, Ice Spice and Lotto have been rumored to have some beef for quite some time. Obviously, 
there's no like actual concrete evidence but if you think about it there was no concrete evidence of nikki and cardi beefing before it actually came about so with ice spice and nikki well no with ice spice and lotto i'm not going to say that's a rollout but it literally makes no sense that these two would be beefing other than publicity so as far as trading subliminal jabs this is going to be a wild comparison, but it reminds me of what Drake and Jay-Z used to do, where they would trade jabs at one another, but it was never like real beef. So whenever you would talk about Jay-Z and Drake's beef, it was never like, oh, when they see each other, it's going to be a problem. It's just more of like subtle jabs, trying to figure out who's better than who. I think the fan base did that as far as pitting the two against each other. But then also, not only that, both of these artists are immensely uh, successful on the charts i mean lotto with jungkook still to this day has a top five single on billboard global and then i spice is the only female rapper with the most number one hits in u.s spotify chart back in uh the year of 2023 so when you look at the success of uh, Ice Spice, or if you look at a success of a lotto, you have to really start comparing it because from a standpoint of just strictly plays and, and downloads on the biggest DSP in the world, which is Spotify. I mean, lotto has 26.5 monthly listeners while Ice Spice has 24.3 monthly listeners. So I think it's to the point where these two are really competing for that top new girl in the hip-hop space because for some reason sexy red glorilla i think who else bia there there's a lot of women rappers in the game but as far as at the top i think we only really look at certain artists whether it's a as far as like newcomers we only look at a ice spice and a lotto obviously lotto's more of uh, I'm not going to say a veteran, but has more experience in the game. Let's just say that as it's just been a lot of times with Lotto would just come on a track and completely showcase her lyricism to where I Spice, I think, is um, below average when it comes to rapping. But I don't think that's a uh, that's definitely a slight, but <laughs> it wasn't supposed to be as aggressive. So. Basically, I just don't think Ice Spice is a type of rapper to showcase lyricism. I think it's more of a visual element that comes with Ice Spice that enhances her career. Whereas Lotto, I think visual and actual lyricism is at play. So yeah, with that being said, it's really none too crazy as far as like getting into both of these artists. Because at the end of the day, Ice Spice is breaking records lotto's breaking records i mean can't we all just get along like this is this is insane like how did this beef come out of nowhere and then ultimately my last take on ice spice versus lotto is it's a fake beef like it's all for publicity maybe they hit each other behind the scenes it was like hey probably drum up some more buzz if we hate each other let's just do that throw subliminal jabs but never really go too far and then it was like hey bet and then maybe that's what they're doing i could see that happening as publicity stunts happen all the time and y'all don't even notice so yeah that's my last uh takeaway 
from Ice Spice versus Lotto. So anyways, click my link tree in my bio. Let me know on one of my social medias. What do you think about Ice Spice versus Lotto? And also, who do you think is the better overall musician? I know. Drake is pop. We're here pop. for truth. We're here for Drake truth. Is, Drake is pop to me. Right, that's fair. In the sense that he, it's charting like pop music, popular music. In the sense that if I was in Target in Houston and I heard a Drake song. So it feels like a lot of his music is compatible with shopping. <laughs> Commercial music. Oh, as, or as you know, music. shopping with an edge in certain instances. Or... Fair. I like Drake's music, but I understand exactly what you're saying. Of course. I mean, I, it's, I, I, I it's get commercial, it. entertaining, fun, it's, good, it's, formulaic music. That it's, is. It's likable. Likable music. Yeah. It's likable music. You know, Cat Williams got everybody in their bag when it comes to hating. So I'm not even mad at most deaf. He looked at Drake. He looked at Cat Williams. And he was like, you know what? It's my turn now. And I understand. I mean, when Drake is competing with the likes of Taylor Swift, you know, um, Bad Bunny, Morgan Wallen, none of them are in the hip hop space. So, you know, just breaking speed records on roads that these OGs pave, and obviously they don't like it. You know what I'm saying? So, whenever you start hating on somebody because their music is likable, you're basically saying that. At the end of the day, this man is such the GOAT at the craft that we can't even compare him in the same realm of hip-hop because he's competing with other musicians that he shouldn't even be competing with. Because if you don't know, I mean, hip-hop's been the number one genre for the past, what? I would say decade plus? So, well, since the 90s. So, even more than a decade. So, when... It comes to Drake building all this hype and anticipation as far as time and time again. Somebody else in the hip-hop space could have did the same thing because the genre has been number one since the 90s. But did they? <laughs> of course not, because Drake's the GOAT. So when most deaf is hating, and which is, you know, he's most definitely hating. You know, that's probably what it stands for. Um the end of the day you just look at the stats and you just compare and a wise man once said comparison is the thief of joy so if your joy is just being stolen by this light-skinned person from degrassi i would hate to you know what i'm saying how in the world does somebody named jimmy in a wheelchair get up and start running the hip-hop game y'all let me know because with most deaf he's a phenomenal rapper but then guess who else is a phenomenal rapper and guess who else makes hits on top of hits on top of hits
So when it comes to somebody just spreading blatantly false information, saying that Drake is in hip hop, the best thing he could come out and say is, I was wrong. I was hating like most of the old heads are doing towards Drake right now, which is why I had a whole episode. Yeah. Shameless plug. I had a whole episode basically talking about Drake versus hip hop media. If you search notorious mass effect, Drake versus hip hop media, it should definitely pop up. And more specifically, not even hip hop media versus old head hip hop media. Cause they just do not understand what it takes to get to Drake's position. So guess what? If you don't understand what somebody or someone did to get to a position that you want to be at, but you failed to do so, you start to make excuses for why he's at that position. So now it falls in the category of hating. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, we'd have made a full circle moment as haters are always going to hate because they couldn't do what whoever did at the level that they tried to do, but failed at. So if I see somebody and he did something I wanted to do, but I tried and I failed. I'm going to say, oh, he only got that because he sold his soul. Oh, he only got that because he been mentored by this person. Oh, he only got that because I'm hating. <laughs> like, I wish somebody would come out and say that. I wish somebody would just be like, hey, I'm just hating. Like, I'm just putting a bullet on this hate and sending it towards somebody way. Right? Because... Letting somebody know your true intentions is way more honorable than you hiding behind the veil of, oh, this is constructive criticism. Like, no, my brother, you are most definitely hating. So with that being said, click my link tree in my bio. Let me know on one of my social medias. What do you think about this old head hating? Well, another old head, yet another old head hating on Drake. And also, at the end of the day, I mean, with Drake being the GOAT, how many more old heads do you think going to come out to hate on them? So that's about it for episode 134. Let me tell y'all something. This was definitely a longer episode than I planned for. But at the end of the day, I will get these topics done and delivered to y'all because y'all been supporting tremendously. I mean, we're around 70 to 80,000 weekly downloads. And that type of support is immense and definitely deserves my undivided attention when it comes to producing content that y'all will enjoy time and time again so hopefully you enjoyed this topic this this jam-packed episode filled with gaming and hip-hop topics um ranging from industry to specific people um and at the end of the day i mean as always thank you for tuning in to the notorious mass effect podcast and don't be afraid to send me an email letting me know what you think of the show and what you want me to talk about in the next episode. Click my link tree in my bio to access my social media and to keep all my latest activities. If you want to support the show financially, click my Cash App link located towards the bottom of my link tree as it helps the show overall. Make sure to share this podcast and rate this five stars on whatever platform you are currently listening on as this helps the show reach more people so we can grow together and affect the masses. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Notorious Mass Effect.
You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.